You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at mutinyinfocafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. How about how about you go ahead and light this up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna intro the episode. Welcome to episode 86. I can't believe I'm on episode 86. That's fucking awesome, God man. It's a lot. Welcome. It's a lot. Fuck yeah. yeah, that's, that's uh, very close to uh, 100, which is like the milestone everyone hopes to achieve. Yeah, I know. Cause, like everyone's like, dude, no one takes you seriously till you hit 100. But then by like the time I hit 100, it'll be like, well, anybody can make it to 100 anymore. <laughs> I mean, there's eight year olds that have like a thousand episodes. Yeah, don't even talk to me until you're at 100 a year, dude. Twice <laughs> a week, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. It's like I when I had Blaine Cartwright in here, he was like, I mean, Joe Rogan's only got like 1,300 episodes, like. <laughs> I'm like, dude, do you know how many episodes of a fucking podcast that is? He's like, yeah, that's nothing compared to what some people are out there doing. Yeah, come on now. That's so much. It, I mean, well, it's a full-time job, clearly. I mean, for mm-hmm. that person, it pays for an entire facility like, oh, yeah. full of everything. It funded, like, you know, a dream uh, warehouse for that dude to do whatever he wants. And let's not be, like, silly here. He also started a company that sells you shit that makes you better at the same time he started a a a podcast, which is a medium that attracts people that are looking for parasocial relationships. People right. that are not always, but it's a large part of the podcast community is lonely people looking to pass time. It's great to pass time listening to people talk. You listen to the same person over and over and over again. You start to feel a relationship towards them, right? right. Even if you've never met them, which is a weird space we're in right now with the internet, I feel like. But right. people get all up in it and... Uh, you sell them stuff that makes them feel like less of a loser. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, this will make you stronger, fuck harder, you know, look cooler, all that kind of stuff. That's what if I feel like the fucking world is that right now, man. The the the, the buy stuff that makes you look cooler. Hey, you might want to get uh closer up in your mic too. Can do. Like get like right up in the pop screen. There will you do. go. Yeah. Uh so yeah, welcome to episode number eighty six of the motherfucking podcast. This Woo! is of course the official podcast of the international power rock combo, motherfucking ruckus from Denver and Chicago, respect. Respectively, I'm Aaron Howell. Everybody else is out of town for the holidays. Gordo is on the California Zephyr <laughs> going to California, which is like a trip I've always wanted to take. Um, I saw some footage of his trip on his Instagram. He did a little time lapse of the train trip, and it looks super fun. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on that here eventually. But Logan also has stuff going on. Everybody has stuff going on. and and, uh, and But I wanted to get one in before Christmas, before Saturnalia begins. That's right. Yes, of course. Before the Saturnalia orgies begin. Right. Well, I mean, I'm kind of late for one right now. But, you know, I mean, I can put it off. It's waiting for me. I you can know? always it, make time for a friend. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I wanted to get one in before Christmas, and uh, and we've been talking about doing this for a while. Yeah, and I, uh, m- my guest on the show today, we're gonna have a little one on one, smoke a joint, talk about kind of where our careers have been going, kind of talk about the world of of online content and heavy metal and and social media, and just kind of maybe we'll even talk about when we used to work in a sandwich shop together. That was a pretty good time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna lie, I, it's been 11 years since I've drank, and those that was like right in the thick of it, and we did some fucked up. It's shit. been 11 years since you drank. Yeah. 
Has it been like since you left Fat Jacks? Uh, it was around that time. Like I think it was uh, it was the Super Bowl 2009. Like I had already gotten in a lot of trouble with the cops and friends, and you know, killed a lot of relationships due to drinking too much and being an asshole. So you also quit around the Super Bowl too? Yeah. Well, it was the Super Bowl. I was watching the Super Bowl and I wasn't enjoying myself, and I was like, Why the fuck am I like? Why am I drinking? There's no reason to. None of these people here want me to be drinking. Like I'm not really enjoying it. And I started thinking about it. And I was like, Maybe all those classes I'm going to something sinking in and, and possibly it's a good idea to stop this shit and like examine why were you on probation oh yeah i was on probation i, I had uh i mean because i got i got what was it? it was two duis before i was 21 so really yeah i was fucking out of control and it was enough that like you know that's first off that's a lot of fucking money for someone with no money to be paying off i know it's the worst and uh it's a lot of like commitment and time and like you know for a reason the whole point is to be like you don't have control now pal like that's your punishment is you are not in control of everything you do anymore um so I, i took a lot of that stuff to heart and started just trying to like you know halfway through college and in 2009 like right after college just be like ah I don't need this shit. I was Dude, in a I band can't, at the I time. can't believe how like how many parallels there are with our with our drinking stories. It's crazy. Hey, you know what? Let's jump right into that. But first, let me introduce you. Please, um, please welcome a, an old old friend of mine. Uh, you may know him if you've been in our circle for a long time. You may know Possibly. him as the guitar player for DDC. That would be a good <laughs> one to remember me from. That no, was fun. No. Uh, an, an old, old friend of mine from way back in the day. You probably know him if you're listening to this and you found it through his socials and his access points. You know him as the the dude, the dude in Axe Slasher, like the man. Like what? What's the name of your character in Axe Slasher? By the way, I, I take offense to that. I am the lead researcher uh, of the DBBC, and we have been covering <laughs> Axe Slasher, the paranormal uh, phenomenon, for for. I'm sorry many for breaking kayfabe since, uh, since 2012. Um, I'm sorry for breaking kayfabe. Well, no, it's it's okay. Most people don't understand uh, how it actually works. That I'm actually a, a well-respected researcher in the paranormal uh, community. <laughs> I am the leading under like I am the only understanding of this phenomenon called Axe Slasher, and uh, well, besides the people who have seen them play live, they they also have have been touched by the experience. But I have direct access, and, and the recordings that come out are directly due to the research of my group, which you may know some of the associates: Richie Tice, uh, Joey Csak, Stephen Jackson, and uh, Alex Pace. These are all people in the DBBC, and we've been studying. I didn't these, know uh, that. Yeah, we've been studying these uh, this phenomenon for quite a while since 2012. Did. The, the Axe Slasher murderers, right? That's that's who you guys re- yeah. sli- research? The Axe Slasher, uh, they are, um, you know, from what we've gathered, they are a group that existed in the 80s, uh, mysteriously died. We've, we're still getting to the bottom of that part, but uh, now they enact vengeance through song, uh, mostly just kind of writing about things that they think is lame. And uh, they, they broadcast these these uh, signals throughout all of Bailey, Colorado. And on these trips going up to meet Richie's daughter and, and his son and all these things, we start feeling this stuff and really kind of like trying to capture it with recording equipment. And eventually that became the music <laughs> that you find on Spotify. <laughs> uh, listen, listen, it's going to be really, really hard for us to have a conversation about this if I have to maintain the storyline the whole time. This, that, this, that's all we're so, going to do of it. Okay, that's the cool. end of it. I, 
I, I, I'm going to need you to That's break. That's for the hardcore okay. fans. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> the rest of it is just us now. We're P- talking. Please welcome my very, very good friend from the DBBC and Axe Slasher and formerly DDC. And God, who else did you play Enemy with? Enemy Rain. Enemy Rain. That's right. Yes. I, dude, I totally forgot about Enemy Rain. Yeah, we we did a lot and then disappeared just as quick. That's right. Please, <laughs> please welcome my good friend Justin LaSalle to the show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Dude, okay. it's so good to have you, man. It's so good to see you again and be in this, uh, this environment with you. You've I'm, always been one of my favorite orators, so this is like the perfect um, medium for you. I've... I appreciate that. Thank you. I really like doing it. You know, I like shooting the shit with people. I like sitting down and talking and um, I don't get to do it as much anymore. And over the past couple of years, you know, I've developed this love hate relationship with with Internet technologies and, and social media and whatnot. And and when I saw the rise of podcasting. Yeah. Which honestly, like was kind of getting started when you and I were working together yeah. at at Fat Jack. Absolutely. It was like, you know, radio itself was in kind of especially talk radio, right? Like right. no one was listening to the AM stations anymore and it was like those all that stuff was dwindling, people were losing jobs and like a lot of those guys like I'm not a huge Adam Carolla fan in terms of his politics and things like that, but you I'm got a, I'm as fan of him as an entertainer. Same. I, I like a lot of the entertainment he's put out. I'm not, you know, currently subscribing to the podcast or anything like that, but I do admire that that guy essentially just like lost a job, turned around and said, "Okay, I'm going to sink all the money that I have right. into making something and, and did that. I think that that's admirable. And it was, you know, very much right time, you know, right guy. He was an early adopter exactly. of, a, of a budding technology. Well, and he was at the point where you were actually paying for your own bandwidth, right? So like when you were popular, you had to pay for the bandwidth from the, like your server oh, really? hosting company. So if you were super popular, you were punished because they were like, great, you're using up our service. That means we get to charge you more. So Right. The better you did, the more they charged exactly. you. Exactly. So he was a big part of like making a, a big noise about like, hey, it kind of makes no sense that I have to pay $10,000 dollars a month because people like my podcast right? right like i feel like i should someone should be sharing those costs with me and then he and uh i can't remember who but it was like the guy who ran the radio station at the time basically rebuilt a radio station as a podcast station, right and that's where you know their whole podcast one network is at Oh, I didn't realize they were on the the, pod, the Podcast One Network. Okay. Yeah, he was a big part of like making that happen. And they, I went to a seminar that they put on a few years ago in California just to like learn about how their business works. And they literally took the the radio model of like let's have syndication with local ads. Like they looked at podcast as just simple syndication. They came up with a way to do localized ads so that it gets uploaded in a bunch of different areas. So we hear ads with companies that they've made deal with deals with around here so we get La Fagata and God knows what else and in California they get cars for kids and you know it's all localized so they're not just selling one ad slot they're selling one ad slot in every state of the country in every market exactly yeah. exactly that's crazy man well so, you know what I think I think when I first because I mean I, I knew what the man show was obviously when I was way younger but when we worked together at Fat Jack's we listened to Loveline a lot Fuck at yeah, night we when we were closing the shop. Fuck yeah, Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew talking about people's hoo-hahs and ding-dongs yeah, and shit well, like I that, mean, and drugs. And I got onto that because I had listened to that as a kid going to sleep. Like, it was just always on when I was trying to go to sleep. And How know, old it was Loveline? Loveline was on when I was a kid in high school. 
And really? like right about the time I was figuring out how my dick and balls work, you know, like that <laughs> show's coming on. I'm like, sick. I got a guide for Perfect. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you hear all the other stuff on on Loveline, you know, like kids who are raised by like, uh, uh, you know, narcissistic parents and all sorts of abuse and substance stuff. And you're like, well, that's wild that other people got to deal with that. And as an older person, when you go right. back and listen to Loveline, you're like, oh, fuck, I was dealing with that. Like my friends were dealing with that. All of us, we didn't realize we were dealing with that. But like that show is super valuable regardless right. of like who the actors are the characters are on like dr drew adam carolla it doesn't matter like they were still offering a service of like young kids call us up ask us about the weird shit that's happening with your body we'll help you out and and that you know people who may be a decade younger than us yeah you know and and how old are you i'm 34 34 okay so people like a decade younger than us yeah you know they are used to living in a time where podcasts and YouTube channels and and blogs about this kind of yeah. stuff are like so uh, ubiquitous that they're yeah. just like you're drowning in them. Yeah, but for well, and authoritative too, right? right like very authoritative. I look back to like when I was a kid and I'd read a book or watch a DVD that I found at the flea market and talk, tell my parents all about the aliens and how they exist, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, you believe that, huh?" And it's like to me, it was authoritative because someone made a video. Like that's what takes a lot of work, right? And it's like super special. <laughs> it must be real. You can't just make a video, right? <laughs> but now there's like so much of that. Like it's almost totally. like like niche ideology yes. is a thing, you know well, what I mean? Well, weaponized too. Like yeah, that's weaponized the thing is that sure. like as soon as you can, I mean, we can get into that kind of shit. But like there are definitely people manipulating online conversation both to get your money and to change your mind. And it's like I don't know who's spending more to do it. Right. But everywhere you turn, like you think you're looking at something that could be organic conversation. Like oh, this post on Reddit's catching fire, and what do the comments say? Well, all those comments are both like people being paid and like writing a specific message to get a certain reaction is like you can go through it and you can find both sides with these perfectly crafted like one sounds like it's vaguely written with a Russian accent so that all the liberals will be like fucking Russian troll this is bullshit right, right, Russian right. and then they'll have like something that's completely the opposite that is like the most outlandish liberal idea like taken to the nth degree presented right. in a very sincere way that is clearly like not sincere or would be outlandish if it were sincere but it's simply there to drive engagement because engagement's the currency right, now, right? right like right. it doesn't matter if you're actually engagement and engagement. It's the same shit. Like it's all the same right. thing. Like they're touching the same parts of your brain that like the booze that we don't want to let in is touching, and they're doing it at the frequencies that the booze, like that part of your brain, likes to be touched. And you're just like, I've been pissed off today. Right, I haven't right, been pissed right. off today. What's going oh, on dude, on Reddit? So, <sighs> I hope it sticks this time. <laughs> I really hope it sticks this time. But I deleted Facebook from my phone. Good move. And I, I think I'll be able to stick with it this time because it no longer does what I yeah. was into it to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even buying ads anymore yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. The, not at all. It's yeah, like it doesn't work at all. You're in an arms race with like, you're not competing in the right. same game anymore. You're playing tennis right. and they're playing Parcheesi. I don't know. I don't know. It's two different sports. Right? Like I'm still, I'm still at the point that I need it for the, the band app and I, yeah. and I still am going to use messenger and I'm still going to yeah. post to groups and stuff like that. But but I took it off my phone just because, like, it's it's gotten to the point now where, it, like, the whole internet has just turned into a bunch of middle schoolers, <laughs> and and it's and it's and it's just not serving the purpose that I I needed it to serve yeah. anymore. So I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm trying to stay off of it, but like, 
seeing like all the 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 like bots and the yeah. and the people that are deliberately going around and poking at each other and yeah. and like um have you seen any of the fake white supremacist accounts? Yeah, I've seen that and I've seen like the other side too where it's like, you know, it's it's whatever you can like exaggerate to get someone upset right. it's being done and if it's not successful it just gets deleted and they move on it's the same like when you make an ad on facebook what they tell you to be successful is to make 10 ads targeted at the same audience give them about a day to figure out which one performs the best and then delete all the other ones that aren't performing so that that one gets all the juice right so it feels like that they're doing something similar where like they just spread everything out every horrible message you could think of and it's like ah sector 7g people are all over that right. one. Fucking sweep everything else under the rug and focus on bathrooms for everyone. Right. Like, well, who's is, are we really are upset about this? And like, if it is your issue and that's something that you feel passionate for, I feel for you. Like, not knowing where you, not feeling accepted in something as human as going to the bathroom is a big deal. Right. And at the same time, like, I wonder how many people who feel that way are actually making a big deal of it or if that's like an internal battle that they take one on one and kind of handle as it goes right I think your average per th just what I have heard from talking to a bunch of people I know from different mm. marginalized communities yes yes is there a majority of them outside of the internet are going man that thing about me is such a small part yes. of who I am yes it's like it's like you know, it's just one attribution. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just one dimension of who I am. Yeah. And and it's, it's just the more and more I'm talking to people about really tense issues. Like, dude, there's nothing like a fucking trim circle, dude. Like my side hustle. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, dude. I've done that, too. Dude, yeah. my side hustle is I work in a trim circle. Yeah. And we sit around and we talk about stuff that could get you just fucking barbecued on the internet yes. you know what i mean yes. Yes. but we are able to have a productive conversation yeah. just sitting around like that you yeah. know we're able to we're able to disagree and argue but it always ends respectfully it yeah. always ends with a hug and a handshake you yeah. know it's like same thing with this podcast mm -hmm. every episode of this podcast ends with a hug and a handshake and like a hey it was really good to see you mm -hmm. i got a thank you letter from you know one of our guests i i went and saw another one of our guests Today, Ike from fucking Flipside Music. With like, nice. He he sold me a, a ukulele for my son's uh, first yeah. Christmas. You know, yeah. it's like. By like, the way, congr congratulations on your son. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, I've been meaning to tell you. Um, how could you, uh, you know, condemn that child to an endless life of pussy with a name like that? How dare you, <laughs> <laughs> dude? Thank you. We get, dude. We get, we get such a mixed response from people. But it's also like, and I'm going to tell them this when I get older, I'm going to mm. be like, your name is your cool people filter. Yes. Because when you introduce yourself to people, first of all, there's going to be bullies. Mm -hmm. And bullies are going to make fun of you for something no matter what. If you're yes. too tall, you're too, they're going to make fun of you for yeah. being tall. If you're short, they're going to make fun of you for they're being short. They'll make fun of you for being too good looking. Like, that'll be right, a thing, right, too. Right, right, right. <laughs> bullies are... So I'm going to just be like, right off the bat, just exclude bullies altogether. Yeah, Don't em. even give them your time. Fuck them. They're, or, or feel compassion for them because they're, they're sad, angry... A more mature way. You know, yes. traumatized people. Just keep that in mind. But... Then you're going to run into people who either think your name is really fucking cool, 
or they're going to give you a really, really insincere half smile and go, Oh, cute. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. R- <laughs> Ransom? What were your really? parents? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah, were your yeah. parents? It's like, it's like, and the people who are going to get uptight about that name are, you know, just kind of people you, I don't want to say avoid. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say you're going to want to avoid them, but you're going to need to keep in mind that the people who think that is a really cool name yes. are going to be the more likely to be the type of people who are into rad art and fun stuff totally. and, and don't get upset about names and words and yeah. small attributions about yeah. people like that. Yeah. You I mean, that, that's, I think that's a great way to look at it because, like, I feel like half of our, like, looks that we put together are cool people filters, right? Like, you're putting on, <laughs> I'm putting on this patch, I'm putting on this vest, I'm putting on this shirt because, like, I want someone who likes this shit to come up and talk to me and people who don't understand it, fuck off. I don't want, like, it feels very hermit crabby, right? Like, did you hear the episode with uh, with Richie that we did? Did you uh, listen to long- it? Because <laughs> Richie's got, like, the most patches of anyone. Did you hear the, the patch vest guy no, part of that? No, 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 no. Well, no, I, I heard it but it was a long time ago richie richie's telling this story about going backstage at slayer <laughs> and like one of their backstage handlers kind of looking at him and go patch vest guy huh he's usually a problem <laughs> <laughs> you know it, i mean it is the way that like he's not wrong <laughs> it is the way that we we th- throw up the flag to say hey yeah this is the team that I'm run, running yeah. with you know but that's that's also a part of it that i've been kind of I don't know, pulling away from a little yeah. bit. You know what I mean? Just because, like, like I have considered on many occasions the desire to remove tattoos. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then yeah. I get more of them. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's sure. a vicious cycle. But I've thought about, like, removing tattoos yeah. just because... I don't I don't like being lumped into a group either. Yeah, You totally. know, and I think... and. You know, you got to uh, you've got to accept that human beings have this tendency to want to lump people into mm-hmm. little categories, and yeah. and and that's it's a big thing of what we're talking about. Sure, is these algorithms trying to create more square pegs yes. out of people's little subcategories, well, and even worse, it's the people that. Um we were just talking about who would hear your son's name and go, oh, interesting. They're the ones making the classifications and teaching the computers. Right. <laughs> you know, that's, I work directly with those kind of people um, when I'm employed. Uh, it's fucking, it's awful, I think, that, like the way that that works. Like oftentimes people who are not even interested in the thing that they're like basically ruling over as these platforms have, uh, they have way too much say in how things work and because you know, people like musicians don't make a ton of money unless they're in the very top of what they do. Uh, their considerations aren't even thought of when they make these tools like uh, f- Facebook ads, for example. Like, when was the last time you made a kick-ass poster or paid an artist that had made a kick-ass poster and it performed well in an ad? It's only when you crop out everything and make it so that right. it's just like unintelligible or not part of like the honor that tradition that you're trying to honor by making a show post so that's time honored man that's right. fucking like bands have been doing that since bands have existed well and because we are used to the way that that it used to work sure. when the, when the internet was wild west you when know it was wild, awesome when it was awesome <laughs> because we're used to that i yeah. don't know how it's been with you but i have taken it very personally that my reach like before i started to understand how reach works yeah i took it very personally yeah i was like man um 
people don't care anymore or like are people mad at me like did i do something that like that that upset people or did it like are people just like actively avoiding the stuff that we're creating and i've been finding out more and more that that is just happening to so many people it's happening it's it's over it's because okay so have you ever taken out a billboard for like the band or a band or no. like a brand that you're working on, no. you can often with a billboard do something. I can't remember the exact advertising term for it, but you can go in and be like, "Hey, we got a budget of this. We want this billboard over here. Um, run it within our budget, and we'll go ahead and accept that someone else can bump it if they want to pay higher." Right, and that's kind of like. The, everything on the internet is like that now. It used to be like, okay, you paid to, you know, target an audience of people that like the movies that you know you think you you vibe with. You know, I think fans of this movie and this band would like my band, so that's who I'm targeting. Mm-hmm. And it used to be a pretty pure like representation of that. It was literally based off of if they had this in their profile and they had this in their profile, they would get the ad. Right, and, and it's it, not that way anymore. Well, no, because of the way that they want to. I mean, think about it as Facebook. We just talked about the podcast one network monetizing their output by basically putting it into small individual markets. Right. Facebook can do that without location attached to it too. So they were constantly do that. Instead of giving you one-to-one of the people you're looking for, now it gets filtered and figured out in a bunch of different ways. Like, well, how often do they use Facebook? Do they use Facebook a lot? If they don't, but they like your thing, then they're not that important. So maybe they're not going to get shown it versus someone right. who uses Facebook more. All these different things. Like, have you ever worked for... Uber or Lyft or anything like no, that? No, they wouldn't take me. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, dude. I tried. I have to do the trim crew thing because Lyft wouldn't fucking take me. Either one of them wouldn't take me. Well, no. you're, I think that's actually you're for the better for that. I did, um, in a bout of unemployment, I did Uber and Lyft at the same time, and I gave it like a good month. I tracked a lot of data in terms of expenses and like wear and tear and stuff like that. And at the end of it, it just didn't shake out. Like there were moments of good payout that felt like I was doing well but if you looked at it on a longer scale I was making I was actually spending more money like than if I would have just oh, yeah. sat at home and applied to jobs on Indeed I or know. something right, 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 so right. like I look at that and I look at like the ways that that company that company totally exists because you know it's nothing to them to pay the drivers what they pay them it's, right. it's nothing to them especially with the way that they get the money um, from you know venture capitalists they're not even spending the money that the people are paying into the app their cost the is app. low because I mean I mean to make an app yeah. It's all because it's some all guy just design and code. It's yes. all just code in space, in yes. an imaginary space. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So there's like very little, there's very little material yes. cost. Yes. There's, I mean, and with their operation, it's a little complicated because there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of moving parts in terms of like the data centers that they have to have and things like that. But overall, you're right. Like the actual product that they put out is, you know, you know, design intellectual property and code that's been written based off of that intellectual property. And it's not like there's a bunch of people in factories, you know, sending stuff out to each little driver. Right. But, you know, the, they I mean, pay- they do have costs, but um, the cost to income ratio totally. is, is, totally. is insane. Well, and they're, they're happy to burn stuff by saying, like, we're going to hire a billion coders today and we're just going to pump something out and we're happy to do that because our venture capitalist money is actually funding our operation. The money that we're making off of customers, that's all just a hope and a wish that later on someone will recognize that as valuable and actually purchase us mm-hmm. so we can make an exit. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's every like company that you're working with is just kind of artificially inflating stuff, making sure that it looks like it's going to be a big profitable thing at some time and then as soon as they get that exit point, they're all fucking gone. They don't they don't care and whoever gets it does what they want with it. 
it. And right. generally, the people that are buying those things at the end are like Mitt Romney's Bear Stearns, right? They were fine with running shit into the ground because their business was bleeding it dry. I was like, cool, we buy it for when you know it seems valuable. We get as much as we can out of it by removing every sector we can until it falls apart, and then oopsie daisy, no more business. Let's do it again. Like they're not in the you know business of keeping it sustainable right then the business of running it down because they're the vultures they're going to go ahead and just <laughs> eat the carry-on until the company's gone and all the people that put all of their stock and faith in like oh lyft is going to save me it's like no nah, you're vulture food now you know we didn't ever care about you and i feel like that's the analogy there is that facebook and instagram their currency their draw right now is just like a cool cheap neighborhood that's full of artists right like it's cheap for us to live there we can decorate it however we want and make it look cool and exciting and oh people start flocking to this platform because it's full of interesting artists doing interesting things mm -hmm. well everyone wants to be an interesting artist even if they're not interesting or artistically inclined so now that they're going to start participating maybe they got way more money though than all these artists that made this place cool so they're going to buy you know something on the corner and turn it into zeppelin station or whatever the, right. you know whatever the fuck they want to turn it into because right. i like art art's cool but like i don't have much of that but i made a fuck ton of money fucking people over let's go ahead and f like it's the same thing that we complain about seeing in real space is happening on the internet in too. cyberspace 100 percent. oh dude that's such a great fucking <laughs> that was such a great analogy that was or, that, that's, that's my really true thoughts on it yeah no totally and it, well and my hope is now this is me the optimist ever the optimist my hope which i love about you oh thank you so much i just believe in people and i keep tell i keep trying to tell people this that when i say things that that people disagree with, mm -hmm. like in a conversation, generally it all comes down to at a, at a basic level that I believe in people and I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like my mind is on the bigger issues that we're trying to solve. Yeah, and so you know anybody I sit down and have a conversation with, and I may say something that like twist their, you know, twist them up a little bit and goes, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, you know, that's where I'm coming from. Sure, right? um, but uh, what I'm hoping. What I'm hoping is that with the way that especially social media is going and especially the internet is going and, and the, the rapidly increasing awareness of these, these ad dollars that are going into these spaces and the trolls and all the things yeah. that are used to the enragement and engagement thing yeah. that we've been talking about. I want to believe that in a very short amount of time, it's it, we're going to reach that bifurcation point mm -hmm. where this way of online communication as we know it is going to fall apart and yeah. something else is going to emerge yeah because i'm seeing a lot of people disengaging from major social media yeah, platforms for sure really starting i am legitimately seeing people developing an interest in critical thinking yeah um there are you know, major intellectual events that go on all over the world, live intellectual events yeah. that go on all over the world, and discussions and debates and podcasts and YouTube's starting to tip a little bit. I think uh, it's it's. I, it's I mean, it's, it's you think it's dead. It's you think it's dying, or do you think it's just tipped to the point where it's like it. It can't be. I'd still see a lot of stuff on there that that I think is super, super valuable. For sure, I would. I would never put my eggs in that basket in terms of like if I were trying to make a video, uh, if I were trying to make a filmmaking company, YouTube would not be the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth stream of revenue that I even considered, because to me, YouTube is early TV 
where it's trying, it's still figuring out its own boundaries of what the advertisers will accept as the type of content they'll be associated right. with. And if you don't fall in line with that, you may as well not post your video to YouTube at all. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that, you know, barrier to entry for, you know, especially putting out content that could be you know, super offensive to people. There's right. something to that. Um, I don't think that it's right that on YouTube that you could look up a Pepper Pig video and then immediately be followed with like some sort of radicalization video. Right. Um, so I do see a value in YouTube saying like, well, if if it can't be advertised, it can't really be circulated either. There's some value there. But at the same time, I'm a purveyor of like disgusting, gross art. <laughs> like this is the kind of, right. I draw awful things. I make videos of awful things because it's fun to me. And I like, that's the rewarding aspect of it is that like we did something that looks horrific, but no one got hurt and everyone was safe and had a good time. Right. I feel like no one, I feel like no one knows where, like, I feel like there is almost no consensus on where the line must be drawn. Well, how do you measure intent? And how, yeah, do, you, how right. do you, like, correctly measure intent? Because, like, some of the funniest shit in the world is someone saying they're insincere, like, something they're insincere about sincerely. Right. So that's very difficult to, like, I can, like, that's the risk you run with satire, right? Is you run right. the risk of people believing the character. Like, right. Stephen Colbert ran into that where he's like, whoa, people actually, like, agree. Think, yeah, people yeah. think ooh, that I really uh-oh. like this uh-oh. because uh-oh. he was so good at it. Yeah, exactly. He was so incredibly good at it. And um, I, I was having a discussion at the trim, mm-hmm. and I was talking about, you know, like, I believe in the primacy of free speech. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, I think. I don't know. I don't claim to know anything, but I think based upon just, you know, I mean, my experience and my own little filters, mm-hmm. I think that it makes society better Absolutely. if even the most extreme opinions come up against each other. Oh, when we were kids, we would like run into actual white supremacists like looking to radicalize right. the punk scene and shit. And, right. Like, they were out know, there. They were out there and we knew that it existed. So like getting exposure to that early and, and like knowing that like, okay, that's also part of the price of like looking into this extreme fringy stuff that right. we like is that there may be untoward stuff also attracted they to it as well. They used to be at shows. Yes. Like this is something people don't realize yes. is they came to shows. Like flying the flag, the, ha- right. the hammer skins, dude. Those fucking yeah. guys used to come down and come to shows. That we shit had, was We scary. had uh, Josh Lent on mm-hmm. um, several, dozens of episodes mm-hmm. ago. And we were talking about Denver in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And it's like... It's like, man, you know, they're not gone from the world. No. But they couldn't show up like they used to show up in the mm-hmm. 80s and the 90s. Right. You know, I mean, no way. No, you know, not, like, not in the same show of force. Like, no. It was like almost like, okay, deal with it. Brats were part of your scene like, right. at that time. And now it's more like... Uh, Oh, I see you hanging o- over this weird corner of the internet. You seem like an open, <laughs> yeah, open-minded yeah. fellow. Can I yeah. interest you in talking about Zion? You're like, whoa, wait a minute. Now, yeah. now we've gone too Come far. Come over here to my 4chan <laughs> exactly. and talk to me real quick. Exactly. You know? um, no, but... Uh, oh, man. Uh, where were we going? Um, yeah, I, I, I want... You I, have positive belief oh, in so, humanity. So, so okay. So, <laughs> I, do believe in the, I do believe in the primacy of free speech. Yes. Like, I think that even the most uh, vile and reprehensible opinions need to be in the public awareness sure. so that we're aware they're out there. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. At the same time, I was I, I heard this, you know, opposition to that that's like, 
you know, you wouldn't want somebody planning to overthrow your state. You know, mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to allow you wouldn't want to allow violent radicals who would seek to un you know destroy yeah. society. Yeah, you wouldn't want to create spaces for them to meet. Yeah, and then I brought this up in the discussion, and one of the guys from my trim crew, this dude Gary Gerber, my dude, if you're mm -hmm. listening, love you, Gary. Shout out to Gerber. You know, he is he is a black man, mm -hmm. and you know he is a he is a super intelligent woke black man mm -hmm. like he 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 has you know strong opinions about a lot of things and he is very well read on the subject matter mm -hmm. and i started talking about this and kind of this back and forth and then he goes he goes yeah but then you get into things like cointelbro uh cointelpro mm -hmm. sorry cointelbro 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 uh, with which, by the way, Cointelbro would be a great, uh, great way to like destroy the like rallying of bros together. Like that's like the that's like the secret government agency seeking to shut down radicalized bros. There you is go, Cointelbro. Hey, you know what? I'm. I wonder if somebody else has said that. But he brought up the point. He was like, then you run into things like Cointelpro, mm -hmm. where they were deliberately undermining, like doing destructive things to the Black Panthers and yeah. things like that. Yeah, and it's like. We look from here in mm -hmm. history, and we can look back and we can see that that is wrong, yeah. absolutely wrong. Yeah. But the the government agencies that were participating in that time were ignorant, scared old white men yep. who legitimately thought that a party like the Black Panthers was was a threat to yeah. them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's no telling what we would think now yeah. is a threat and find out. 20, 30 years from now that we were wrong. So you run into this yeah. thing where it's like it just keeps unraveling and it keeps unraveling yeah. and there really is no there's no clear there's no clear line in the sand as far as where like where that freedom ends and begins. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I think that you know, I'm I'm a big proponent of of saying what you think and what you feel just to as a good communicator, right? Right. Like, as soon as you stop telling people what you're thinking and how you're feeling, and you start saying things that are contrary to that, well, you're a liar now, or at least well, to I, some degree. I won't do right? it in a Facebook post anymore. Yeah, I think that that's a good. I move. won't do it on Twitter anymore. Yeah, I won't do it on Instagram anymore. Yeah, you know, if somebody wants to know how I think and feel, and I say this a lot. I will talk to just about anyone about just about anything. Sure. But yeah. I will not talk about just anything on social media. Yeah. Well, it's not a conducive it's not conducive for a conversation, right? Like right. if you it's, let's say we had some major political disagreement right now in the room or something like right. neither of us would be apt to come to blows over or even like insult each other, I don't think. I think mm -hmm. that we'd be because of like the situation and we just smoked a joint, you know, we're hanging out with each other. Even if we started talking about stuff that like boiled each other's blood, there's a very low likelihood that we're going to like try to end the relationship with each other over it, right? Well, and we would be able to explain to the other ones. Yes. You know, if you were upset about something, you'd be able to explain why that upsets you. Yes. And then I would be able to go, oh, I understand why this is upset. You. This yes. upset you. Here is the higher intention of what I am actually totally. saying. And we could have that. But then imagine that all of a sudden... 150,000 people were crammed into this room right now <laughs> and we're all listening in on our conversation and all had microphones in their hand. That went directly to our ears. That went directly to our ears. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, that's yeah. just, that's no way to have a conversation. Then imagine that there are 
robots in the room <laughs> with them looking for that keyword of like oh he said something you know on the republican and side then, and then and then auto generating stuff into the microphone oh, into boy. our headphone feed yes that sounds like it was said by yes. a real person yes I, i'm i'm very um very interested to see where we're going to go with deep fakes and I know and it's audio terrifying fonts. because like it's already very difficult for people Did to you say audio fonts. Yes. What are audio fonts? An audio font is actually an old technology where it's it's what it sounds like. Is it's almost like um, it's like phonics, right? Like basically, you can take the sound of a voice. Yeah. Well, audio font itself. Um, my friend Patrick Bruss, uh, shout out to Crypticus. He uses them when he does drums for death metal projects that he works on. And it's like here's a set of samples, um, and I can just replace them very easily in triggers, right? And, and triggers and with other different things. Um, but it's like kind of laid out like a font, whereas like you know this. Is this A and you have an uppercase A, a lowercase A, you know, right. just all these kind of like, just It's all just signal yes. and and then taking the information of that signal yes. and turning it into something else. Exactly. Yeah, and with, a, with AI, that can go ahead and whatever you train it to do, it can it can learn. And that's up to the human. It's not like you can just make an AI and it'll start doing stuff. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll do nothing until you reward it and punish it and teach it like this is a good thing this is a bad thing right but it's very easy to reward something for like when it mimics a voice which is something that we mimic all the time you know you can mimic other people's voices as a voice actor like all these different things we can do it so then an ai can certainly do it now it may not do it correctly very you know in the beginning but enough times a human goes that was good that was bad that was a good version that was a bad version it goes from clicks and whistles to tones that sound like something to starting to actually use real words and putting English together and realizing how you use those words and then how you specifically use those words right. after being exposed to hundreds of hours of you talking on a podcast or appearing right. in videos, things like that. It gets enough information that it can build a conversation that sounds like something you may actually say yeah, in I've the way you would them. say it. You've heard, I think everyone's heard the Joe Rogan one. Right. And that's an extreme case. Someone was I was going to mention that. Yeah, someone was proving that it could be done with, like, let's feed this thing 10,000 hours of Joe Rogan talking and and we'll punish it. We'll just get it to reenact it and punish it every time it does well and reward it every time or every time it does bad and right. reward it every time it does well. And then those snippets that they released were like the best of what it did during the time that they were working. For with those it. of you who don't know what we're talking about, there is an episode. There is a a bunch of a bunch of people who are like masters of this technology. Mm-hmm. Is it was it like a company that did this or was it just like a a group of like like it, just internet people? <laughs> it's hard to say, right? Cuz like what's the difference between a company and some internet people at this point? Like, right. you know, like this awesome place that we're at, you know, could be looked at either way. I think that in my eyes <laughs> Right. I think that in no, my totally. eye, you know, in my eyes, this is a beautiful studio with a lot of like creative energy and happening stuff in it. But also, you and like, I are internet people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> We're in it right now. It's like the traffic thing. It's yes. the traffic. Like we are, we are traffic. We are internet people. <laughs> we are the currency. Yeah, yeah, man. And it's and it's uh, you know it's weird because like you know whatever online audience was gained through being sincere and kind of open in these spaces and now a lot of people are super afraid to be sincere and open in these spaces and not necessarily just because they're afraid of trolls and things like that there's like unforeseen consequences like they don't want to fight with people they don't want to fight with people they don't want to get picked on well I've it's the middle school analogy dude nobody wants to be the kid in the class that everybody teams up on yes nobody wants to be the kid on the playground like I had I'm sure it happened to you too Mm -hmm. where 
something would happen at school, and for that day, suddenly you became the target for yeah. the day. Yeah, oh, and that was the worst, right? Because you were, every day was trying not to be the target, right? right? Like, as and then the, the fun, day like, it happens to you, were you a funny kid I was a funny kid, and I was a weird kid. I was a funny, weird kid, too. So, like, my reaction to everything was, like, if, if you know, the, the young kid uh, crosshairs were on me, it was joke my way out of it, right? right? Or, like, you know, I was a big dude, too, so if it came down to it, we could fight, but I never wanted to. I was a big baby right. Huey, you know? I didn't want to fight. I wanted to make everyone laugh and be friends, but, you know, that a lot of school was like, how do I not get that? Like, and we're trained. Focus on we you. are trained for that. Yes. Like we all have. I think we all, to some degree, have that terror and trauma of yeah. being a young person, unless you're a total psychopath. <laughs> like even the popular kids. Yeah. Were afraid of being pulled from their seat in the hierarchy. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And that. Like, we haven't quite mastered these kinds of technologies because they're so new. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if I necessarily think it is as malicious and malevolent and nefarious as, you know, paranoid people like you and me like to think, <laughs> semi-cynical people like you and me like to think, yeah. you know, mildly tinfoil hat-wearing type of people like yeah. you and I and, yeah. and, and our ilk like to think. I, I, you know, I think it's more these corporations, they don't care and they don't not care. It's yeah. just business. You know what I mean? Well, it's, and it's we haven't ignorance. figured out how to, it's ignorance. And we haven't figured out how to use that technology. And the way it is right now, I don't know about you, but I rethink and delete most of what I start to type on yeah. social media now. Yeah. I For rethink sure. everything I'm about to put out because it's just like, and I've said this before, where it's like, is it worth it? Do I want to invest the time in it? it do I care that much? Like, do yeah. I have the time? Yes. Do I have the time and the energy? You know, how is this? you got to think like 50 moves ahead. Do I want to be responsible for this statement? Right. Because it used to be fun to make statements to not be responsible for, right? Like right. you're saying funny things that were just jokes. You know, you're, you know, praising villains and movies and things like that because it's funny. And now you're like, yeah, but when it comes down to it, I didn't actually want to defend that position. That right. was just like, yeah, that's a funny thing to say, right? Like, yeah. weird that I posted that on the internet. But now it's like there's responsibility to be taken for that, and you really kind of take inventory of, like, is this something even worth fighting over? Like, if someone oh, wanted to question this opinion, would I – is it worth it? Because if it's not, like, why do I hold it? Yeah, and I, th and I feel like we've reached critical mass. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, the bifurcation point. I think we're at this point where it is spun enough into chaos and it's starting to swell enough where I think it's going to collapse to a degree and be rebuilt. Yeah. It's there there's going to and and I, you know, Facebook is going some different directions as far as technologies that they're mm -hmm. investing in. I think that Mark Zuckerberg is sees way ahead of us and is mm -hmm. going and is knows that his comp like the social media part of it will eventually circle the drain. Yeah. And and you know that they will go the way of MySpace in some mm -hmm. way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so he's going these other places but I'm curious to see uh the direction it goes. Um I do know some of the uh the people from the intellectual dark web are trying to develop one mm -hmm. and I don't know if it'll even be something that's... That's the thing, is you don't know if it's something that'll be attractive to the general public right but out there. If it's not, like th maybe that's okay, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I think that... I certainly think that there's room for more 
types of internet. I know that sounds crazy because we all think of like the internet's one thing, but I think that there's room for a punk internet where it's just like a bunch of us got together with There's spare. a vetting process for you to get into the <laughs> Yeah, we got to check internet. your spikes and stuff. No, I mean more like well, just Well, then a there's a safe of, internet. Yeah. There's a safe exactly. internet for for uh, the the soccer moms and the and uh, the Karens of totally. the world, you know what I mean? Totally, they get an internet too, right? But they can they can have a safe Mariah Carey Christmas internet, exactly. You know what I mean? And we'll pay for the Skinamax version of right. the internet, and that'll be that. There, I mean, there's that, but there's also like very much a chance with the way technology's going that you know a bunch of steampunks could get together and build some sort of distributed network that only they could use, only their friends could use, right. specifically for things like communication, emergency distribution, those things that maybe you're not trusting the state to handle right. because of, like, you look at the government, you're a little worried about that. I think that fucking build it, man. If you know how to, go for it. Because, yeah. like, even if it's just you and a core group of people, maybe your family, using it just to transfer stuff back and forth, like, hey, fuck it, you built it. That's crazy. Right. Uh, see, you have that now that's not connected to anything, like all that type of independence, like getting away from, uh, you know, an ISP or getting away from a host, all those different things and trying to like own it yourself all seems really cool. But when you do that right. on the current state of the internet, you end up like we were talking about bringing it back to Adam Carolla, paying for all your bandwidth, well, watching a computer smoke in the middle of your living room as a thousand people access it, you know, all that kind of well, stuff. And if... One of the giants who runs the internet as we know it doesn't like what you do. Yeah. They can get rid of you. Yeah. They can stop you. Yes. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Because I'm just little old dude in a rock and roll band with my little podcast and da right. da da da. And I have I'm pre- I, I have a pretty balanced perspective yes. on reality. Yes. I think. Yes. I like to think. But, you know, the people who are, who are pushing the boundaries more, who really are the, um, the oars, that, the rudders that steer society. Yes, I you fully know, believe that. The, the crazy people, the really intense extreme people yeah. are the edges of the rudder. Yes. That, that, that steer the ship of civilization. Yeah. Right? We need them. 100%. We may not always like them, but we need yes. them. We need our Ted Nugents and our Jello Biafras. Yes. <laughs> you know, we what need I mean? the guy that runs Skatopia. Like, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah. my opinion, it's necessary that that exists. Even you know? the mo- even the most fringe and insane, we need them yes. to steer the ship. So, I, I mean, I'm not too worried about uh, about it. But you know, people who are on those edges of the rudder, our rudder gets dulled when these yeah. corporations will shut people down, and and our trajectory gets imbalanced. Yeah. You know, to keep using that metaphor. Well, at, at those marginalized people, they could be, you know, the creepy punks that we hang out with. They could be simply transgender people, whatever. But the more some corporation, any single entity kind of like narrows our focus of what that society actually looks like and starts mm-hmm. hiding those fringes. That's when, like, we run into trouble of like, oh, those people actually now could be cast off from society right. because the perception is they're not part of it. And that shit's right. scary to me, too. Yeah. I think that, like... I, as much as I don't like seeing NSBM at a like record store, I also know like there may be like that the, if this record store is carrying that shit along with other shit that is like contrary to that ideology. Right. This may just be a really fucking open spot that's just like maybe A doesn't know that this is that or accepts it and is like. Um, you know, I don't think you'd find anything like that at Mutiny. But when you go to Mutiny Cafe and you ask Jim, do you have any occult books? He goes, oh, yeah, they're in philosophy. You know, I put I put all the religion stuff in there because who's to say who's right? Right, right, like, right. Who's to, like the intent thing comes back is like, is this person stalking the NSBM 
because their intent is to distribute it and radicalize people or is it to show a contrast of like everything that's within this genre and right. to be like a true um what do you call it like a, a true catalog of the stuff that's out there right. like that's always true and that being said if i ran a record store i wouldn't fucking carry that shit it just wouldn't be something right. that i carry but i also like admire someone who believes in uh free speech enough that they would carry that as well as like whatever the radical left equivalent of an right. SBM would be right. Like right. just someone willing to take that stand and say, it's a space here at that same time. Twitter did that on the internet and it's like one of the worst places to hang out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to think about it in those terms too. Like if you put the lure to the maggots and the maggots come, you can't be upset. You got flies, you right, know? Like right, you right, put right. it there. So I think that it all comes down to like, how do we, can we make a device that could like judge people's intent you know like right. gives you a green or a red galvanic you know? skin response <laughs> exactly. hey eventually yeah. when we yeah. have chips and ocular yeah. implants and stuff like that you know eventually when we get into some black mirror shit yeah. it's possible i mean i'll i'm dead if there's any cyberpunk groups out there writing software to like scan people's bodies to figure out if they're lying or not i'm in like yeah I'm in. <laughs> like 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 or I really like the idea of being able to upload your consciousness. Yeah. You know, so that, like, I was thinking, like, just, I was just kind of fascinated, fantasizing, and I'm going to totally lose my, lose my spot in the conversation <laughs> by going on this ta That's tangent. Fine. So you have to help me. But That's fine. I had this, like, fantasy of, like, a singularity where everyone's consciousness gets uploaded. And if you ever want to know what it was like to be so and so in such and such era, yeah, you could download their experience <laughs> and upload it into your own consciousness and experience their entire life like in a flash and know what it was like to be there. Man, that and would change a lot of shit. <laughs> well, dude, and then I started thinking, what if everyone had access to everyone's experience i'll bet what would happen if everybody could plug in to everyone's experience at one time in an instant like an uploaded into their consciousness in an instant it would be like like it would be the truest form of compassion because yeah. it would literally be universal empathy well you'd be yeah. like ah oh, fuck i just walked a thousand miles in your shoes yeah. in, a, in, a, in an instant. I found out why you're a monster is because you were created by monsters. Right, right, wow. right. You right. know, like that kind of thing. I think it's called DMT, actually, is what we're saying. <laughs> uh, well, imagine if you could do a handshake and transfer all that, too. Yeah. Like, how many business problems would that solve if you're just like, as soon as you shook someone's hand, you're like, oh, I know exactly how this relationship will play out. Because, right. like, and you know how I'm going to react to it. Right. Like, now we can objectively say, like, nah, let's not do this deal. Yeah. Yeah. Or relationships like with lovers and things. Right, right. Well, uh, and and yeah, man, and it would it would be like it would be the end of racism. Yes. It would I be think the, so. it would be the end of world poverty. Yeah. Because people would go, "Holy shit, we're all I just felt like it was like what it was like to be that that mother of three or that mother of six in yeah. that village in Nairobi. Yeah. Like, I just felt what it was like to be that person. Yeah. There's no way, knowing what I know now, that I could continue to allow that to happen. Yeah. You know, because psychopathy, which might just be brain damage. Yeah. Like, it might just be, like, we might see a pill for psychopathy someday. We might see a awesome. treatment for psychopathy someday. I mean, one of the main elements of psychopathy and, 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 and sociopathy is, I don't know if I'm using the terms right, but... Uh, is it the, like, the smaller... 
uh, cerebellum? No, yeah. the amygdala. The amygdala. Yeah, smaller is amygdala. Smaller. Well, they're they are unabled, like they are physically unable to experience th- what it is like to be another person. Mm-hmm. You know, they are literally unable to empathize, and yeah. suddenly they were able to do that. Yeah, you know, it would be like it would be the end of all armed conflict. Totally, it would be like. We would be able to all go, you know, in an instant, just yeah. go, okay. I mean, we would, like, turn to the Borg, you know, <laughs> something like that. Well, I think that we'd also stop a lot of problematic behaviors. Like, we'd be like, hey, let's all stop fucking kids, man. Like, have you felt how terrible that yeah, is for yeah, everyone? Yeah. And, like, how that is for, like, growing up with that? Let's go ahead and stop that. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I feel Immediately. Like, yeah, and, well, and probably, like, what made you want to fuck kids in the beginning, like, Going through that, all of a sudden you'd be like, "Oh, I realize why I want to do that, and it's right. not right. It's or, not a good thing." Or it would make your mind explode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you were able to have, <laughs> if you were able to have the lifetime of experiences of over seven billion people, because I guess you would only be able to do living people and yeah. new people as they arrive. Yeah. So seven billion people, the entire planet, all at one time, just upload it like. <laughs> Like up downloading their consciousness all at one time. I wonder if it would melt your mind. So we'd probably have to figure out like the exact time to give it to you, right? Like as a baby, maybe you can absorb all that. (laughs) (laughs) Like your brain's just soft, (laughs) just soft enough to take it in and be like, oh, and grow up adjusted. But like as an adult, you try and you just pop. But do but like if you did it as a baby though, like (laughs) all of a sudden, what happens? Refined and smoking a cigarette. Well, dude, what happens to sovereign like the sovereign individual? Like if mm. you up, if you downloaded the entirety of consciousness, like would you would you only then have the knowledge of the experiences of those people, or would you have the results of those experiences as well? Well, I wonder. I guess how that becomes like how much of an attachment do you have to the individuals in those stories, right? Like right. you just took in seven million life, seven billion lifetimes of stories. Like which one stuck out to you? You know, like right. all of a sudden does that become individualism or do you actually, is it like the army and you actually feel like you're contributing to something bigger than yourself? And like, it, it's almost inconsequential what your overall contribution is as long as you're giving it your all kind of thing. Do you right. find comfort in that or, I don't know. I think about that a lot because one thing I, I value about myself a lot is individuality. But I also kind of yeah. like have this idea that humans are kind of just a lump of clay that absorbs, you know, they're a product of what they've been through, what they put in themselves, and, you know, what, and some genetics. And genetics. And, yeah. yeah. And genetics and, and, um, the, the collective mind. Yes. Experience. Like, yeah. I think that, I mean, you've, talking to people from different parts of the country you just realize like we're we're the same but we are very different too it's like, so just, cool isn't it i think that's the best part about being a musician is like you have an excuse to go talk to like interesting right. weird people for no reason and people that you might not normally get along with totally you know totally. and i and i man the worst is when you like you have a friend that you know in the real world and you know who they are mm-hmm but then you see them and they're a garbage person on the internet. <laughs> and it's like, you want you want to be like, dude, I know you. You want to be like, I know you. Yes. Yeah. I have been there for your life experiences. Yeah. So many of them. Like we have traveled together and we have like, we have shared life together. Yeah. Like I know your heart. This is not you. Yeah. You know, and you see that and it's just like, man, I got to tell you, and and this is something that I've been wanting to talk about with you when you were coming in, because you have always been 
someone who feels compelled to 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 be yourself and, yeah. and to speak truth and you've always been into the 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 weird and the dark and the like semi macabre but in a very For like sure. fun like lighthearted way and yeah. it's something that I've always admired about you. One of the things that drove me away from Facebook mm-hmm. recently is I'm like watching our own scene just here in Denver. Mm-hmm. People that I that I know are just like turning on each other and and eating each other alive and putting yeah. people on blast online, yeah. you know. And it's just like most of the opinions that I have seen that get the most traction, I disagree with all of them. Yeah, you know, I disagree with most of the players. <laughs> You know, and I say most just because I can't say that I disagree with all mm-hmm. because I'm I'm not taking them all into account in the context of this conversation. But yeah. I disagree with most of the players in in these giant arguments where they're tearing people apart. And yeah. at the same time, there are people involved in that mess. And I've seen people involved in other messes and other pylons and other crazy situations. There are people I know in real life and I love and respect and and I know that if they were in the same room with the person that they are getting into it with, yeah, it wouldn't go down like that. Yeah, you know, a hundred percent. And it's it breaks my heart, man. Yeah, and, and I see it. I see it in comedy scenes. I know. I see it in you know metal scenes. I see it in jerk off conferences where people are like talking about selling pants. You know, the pants import. Like it's every fucking scene. <laughs> Every scene has its own the like pants scene. <laughs> yeah, you know, anyone's you know every industry's got a the fucking pants scene <laughs> is getting shat. Yes. Let's just put it that way. Listen, shorts for life is all I'm saying. But <laughs> hey, hey, whoa, hey, we not. My gonna... dad was a pants tailor for 45 years. Well, I, I feel like we were doing our best to avoid these controversial topics, but it's time for pants for shorts. <laughs> Walked I mean, right into that. Uh, I I don't think that shorts on stage look good. No, I'm with you there. I don't unless you're playing a music festival. Yeah, well that all I think that's the off. only exception because that's outside. Other exception is if they're very very short, <laughs> and mostly if you're male. Right. I think that the shorter the shorter the short, the more acceptable for stage as a as a male presenting person. Right. And uh, as a female, wherever the fuck you want, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wear whatever you want. <laughs> Whatever makes you feel good. Yeah, man. I don't know. I just... And it's like I'm hesitant to even comment on it. And I've like... I will sit there in the shower and think of things that I want to say to these people to Mm -hmm. try and just bring them to... I wouldn't even say sanity. Mm -hmm. You know, but I feel like so many people I know and love are getting possessed by ideology. Yes. And... I want to just kind Perfect of... Perfect way to put it. I just want to do a pattern interrupt on them and just be like, hey, man, come here real quick. Yeah. Remember who you are. You know what I mean? Remember what a sweet human being you yeah. are. You know, remember remember how kind you are. Yes. You know, and it's... Man, and, and, I'm, and, and like I said, I'm hesitant to even bring it up. And I, and I have these, like, arguments in my head and these conversations in the shower. And, like, and I stress about them. Yeah. You know, I stress about them because, like we said, nobody wants to be the kid in the middle school class yeah. who steps forward and gets attacked. Yeah. And, it's, and, and that's, like, such a big reason I think that, like, engagement is shrinking mm-hmm. big time. 
you know, in addition to all the advertising stuff that's happening well, you know, well, that we talked about. Take the mindset you're talking about, and then most of these these platforms, you know, basically judge engagement by a like, a follow, um, a comment, or, or something to that degree. Right. And you're talking about people disengaging lurking more lurking used to be something that used to be an acceptable activity on the internet means that you're looking at stuff and not doing <laughs> and shit. not engaging and with not it. engaging it means you're just looking you're just browsing and it used to be acceptable until uh basically creators started being punished for lurkers because like people that actively wanted to see your stuff but wouldn't like it because at the time instagram was showing everything that you liked in its own separate feed so if you were liking you know big butt content creators and dudes like me that are <laughs> dudes that are <laughs> Dudes that are spraying blood on audiences right. and like, but you're also your whole family follows you on Instagram and one tab away, they can look at all the deviant shit that you've been looking at that you thought was private. Like that cuts people off from wanting to show anything, right? Like right. they thought that what they were doing with was like sending a per, like I'm sending a like to Aaron to let him know that I like the thing that he posted. And you know, it turns out that everyone and their mother was like looking at the feed of things that are coming out. Like why did, why'd you, why'd you like Aaron's photo? Yeah. That's yeah. weird. He doesn't Dude. even have a big butt. Dude, have you seen people like they refer I heard it recently referred to as producing receipts. <laughs> no shit, dude. Like like people God, I, I, I really hope I don't take shit for this and I hope that the people who are listening know that like it, especially if it's the people that I'm talking about, I'm not gonna name <laughs> you by name, but I have to talk about this because yeah, I'm yeah. I'm sad and if you hear this, call me and let's have a real conversation. But I saw something recently where somebody actually screen capped likes on a post as evidence against them. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? No, and I went, totally get it. And went, look, this person likes this content. Mm-hmm. That means that they have ties to this person who has ties to this, yeah. this ideology that's on the other side yeah. that we don't like. Yeah. And I saw that recently. When I went, holy fuck, dude. Yeah. Like... Where is that going to stop, man? Yeah. Because you and I have been playing in this scene our entire lives. Yes. And we have played with a lot of bands, and we have met a lot of people, and we have a lot of friends and a lot of deep connections. We've played with good people who have gone bad and bad people who have gone, gone good. good. Like, 100%. Absolutely, man. We have been, you know, we, talk, we were talking at the beginning about your journey yeah. with, with sobriety, and I want to talk about that yeah, more yeah. as we go. But you and I both have had experiences of being reckless and nihilistic Fuck and yeah. destructive Hell and yeah. stupid and ignorant and, you know, just like darker versions of ourselves. For sure. And we had to go through that to become who we are. Yeah. You know, and, and there are all these tiny little micro networks across just our community here mm-hmm. of connections. Yeah. And when I see stuff like that, it just makes me go, ugh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Just like, man, no. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, I will have a conversation with any of those individuals who get into those things yeah. one-on-one. I will have a face-to-face interaction with any of them. Yeah. But, but five years ago, me would have jumped in and put my hands in between the two fighting parties. Yeah. 
and go, hey, this is what I, th- you know, this is what I, you guys need to stop fighting and this is why and, and stand up for both of them. You know yeah. what I mean? That is what I probably would have done five years ago. And I feel terrible that this attribute that I like about myself mm-hmm. is something that I f- would feel in danger of doing mm-hmm. because it would bring me into the fight. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, right. It, it, it's like... Well, flip, let's use that fight analogy real quick and imagine like you've got two friends who are fighting like in the room with you. You're going to jump in with them. Right. Two assholes at the bar that start fighting, you're going to take a front row seat and watch. You're not really going to like, right. you're, and maybe you'll have a hero's inclination to jump in and stop things if you're like truly noble. But also like you realize that your self-preservation kind of like goes against that instinct of right. like, if there's violence that I have no direct ties to and have no dog in this fight, why would I put myself in like violence's way, right? Right. If we're talking about, you know, emotional violence, that's kind of what it is. You're watching two people be emotionally violent to each other on the internet and it hurts because you don't want to see that violence, right? Like at your heart, you want to see people having a good time and, and partying with each other. And then the extra layer of hurt is like, do either of you actually believe what you're saying in this fight? Because it feels like you're both propaganda zombies because when I flip the page, these people are having that fight. Right. And when I go over to this app, these people are having that fight. Right. And when I go to this app, these people are having that fight. Well, and if you look and it's at the same ones over and over. And well, if you look at either side of the argument too, structurally, it's the same exact thing. Yeah. It's screenshots and putting each other on blast yeah. and then just comment threads of people agreeing. Mhm. For uh, the first layer, there's the 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 main layer. There's the two people mm-hmm. who are getting into it. Yeah, and above that is their ideologies that are in confrontation. Yes. Then there's the people who support them directly, their friends and family behind them, mm-hmm. and then behind them there are the people who support some point of the ideology. Yes. And they back the, these parties up, whether the parties want them to or not. Yeah. yeah. You know, it'll be like if if like a male rights activist sees that someone in a fight is in opposition to someone who opposes their viewpoint, they'll yeah. jump on the side yeah. of that. Or like a, a trans exclusionary, uh, exclusive radical feminist mm-hmm. or something like that will will jump on the side with whoever. J.K. Rowling, just like just this week, you know. I know, it's insane. And, and, and we can talk about that too. But because, I mean, I have thoughts on it though, you know. Yeah. It, that, that's a whole fucking can of worms. <laughs> but, um, but, so whether you want them to or not, mm-hmm. those people jump on your side. Yeah. There are people who who will jump on your side just because they like to get in a fight and you're the team they like yes. the most. You know? yes. And so it keeps going on in these layers and then you get to the lurkers who are just watching and eating popcorn the whole time. Yep. You get to trolls, <laughs> real life trolls and AI trolls. Yeah who are just there to stoke that fire. Just to get more people involved. Right. And what it turns into is a gigantic tug-of-war. Yep. Where everybody gets pulled through the fucking mud. Yep. A hundred percent. And I am at this point where I am letting go of the fucking rope, man. Yeah, man. It's like, I'm not going to pull with you guys. Yeah. 
because this is horse shit and we're all being taken for a fucking ride, totally. man. We're being taken from a ri- for a ride uh, through ignorance and through maliciousness. You know, yep. well, not Maliciousness probably isn't even the word, word but uh, some part of business it is. Some greed. part of it is. Yeah, I think that it's all, it's all like we like to conveniently say that everything doing this is evil but we know that's not true because we know that like good noble industries pop up in the wake of evil just simply because that evil exists and is creating a wake like someone's got to clean it up someone's got to do all this kind of stuff so like we know that not everything involved in it but like major players and things that like are really problematic are a big issue you know I think that well, they're just looking at the numbers. Totally. Well, and they love this idea that they can send out 100 messages, see which one catches on fire, unleash the bots on it. All of a sudden now the TV news is talking about something that's literally just an internet fight between two right. people. But because the alarm was sounded of enough, it looks like a war. So the media covers it like a war. It's very much to me like the internet is at the dark ages where we're all just kind of like we've got our tribes and, you know, some of us barbarians right. like to hang out together and we see one of our barbarian brothers getting, you know, fucked up we're gonna jump in but it's like everyone's tribe is like it seems like there's a puppet masters trying to get the tribes to coalesce together so that they could just be blue or red for the next two years that's exactly what they're doing because that's all we need is for everyone to be blue or red just for four more they're they're, they're just trying they're these things are designed to smooth out nuance yes they're designed to put hard edges on nuance. Yes. They're designed to they're designed to eliminate the gray and either make it completely black or completely white. Yes. For the ease of their uh, of their viewer acquisition yeah. and and uh data corralling. Yeah. I mean, you look at it, there's corporations doing it. You know, Steve Bannon's been very open about his plan where he's basically going into different countries and teaching them how to target and radicalize French people. That's his thing. Holy shit, that's you know? scary. So that, you that's know, they, so that they can recreate dude. the Trump, me- you know, method in France, which they tried, right. they failed, but they've, you know, perhaps Brazil had a little call with uh, Steve Bannon's institute. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. Bolsonaro was part of that. I wouldn't be surprised Maybe if Maybe Venezuela. Venezuela, Boris Johnson, like all these, do- and I'm, I'm fucking just some guy from Denver that barely pays attention to politics, but I do know technology and I do pay attention you to technology. You do know technology and I think that that's important for people to understand. Yeah. In the entire time that I have known you, you have been on the cutting edge of internet technologies. Yeah. You introduced me to Pandora. <laughs> you introduced me to Reddit. Like you, yeah. you showed me YouTube. You showed me cat memes. Yes. Do you know that? No, I don't know. You I didn't sh- know that it was me personally. Dude, who showed you you cat memes. showed me like the can I has cheeseburger, like yeah. all that shit. You were at Fat Jack's, like doing shit on the computer, and like, <laughs> dude, you showed me so many things that you just knew from being on the like an early adopter yeah. of that technology you I were like in we had the, a computer at that sandwich shop because i was like everyone thinks this is a boring machine but check this out like yeah, all yeah, the yeah. fun can be in here too <laughs> dude and and like you showed me pandora when it was still the music genome project. yeah when it was awesome <laughs> yeah when it was amazing <laughs> like you know the coolest I mean? idea you've ever they wanted to make a library of alexandria of music like, right wow which is Please. so which is so amazing it's so fucking cool mm-hmm. you know and um 
And so I think that's important that people know that that yeah, you're a dude from Denver who's in a metal band. And yeah. yeah, I'm I'm just a loud guy who <laughs> fucking is trying to figure out a way to keep my fucking rock and roll yeah. band relevant well into my forties. You yes. know, I'm just trying to keep the yes. fucking thing alive. Just trying to like ha- like keep the one fun thing in the world alive for us. Right? God, just the one <laughs> the one thing we want. Uh, no one wants us to do it. No one wants to pay us to do it. But fuck you, we're fucking doing it I anyway. Oh man, and it's just like. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm terrified of it, but I'm terrified to leave it. It's like a fucking abusive relationship, yeah. dude. Yeah. Like, I'm terrified of the, like, the fallout from certain things on it, I'm t- but I'm also terrified of, do you know how many times I've been like, you know what? It's not like we're the fucking Rolling Stones or U2, mm-hmm. or it's not like we are making a living off of being a band what if we abandoned all the platforms and mm-hmm. we just did our podcast, we just did our our YouTube channel, but most importantly, just made records and put them out and yeah. like just engaged with people through our website. Yeah. And and our body of work and like yeah. Spotify and shit like that. Yeah. You know, like what if we did that? Yeah. And then there's this other part of me that is just totally terrified yeah. to completely eliminate my access to the world totally by doing that and so it's like it's like what if i do that and our label drops us or mm-hmm. or i i can't promote shows or yeah. i can't contact a band to play with us because yeah. they're all on it or or somebody won't book us because we don't have the presence it's like yeah fuck dude yeah and so like you have to engage in it in, in, to a matter of degree to a certain degree for sure yeah. i think that because I, I go through that too, where I, I don't engage on anything except for Twitter still consistently, and maybe Instagram, but it's not in, it's not consistent. And I, I've pulled back from everything in, until I have something to say because I'm over this idea of a content treadmill where like I as a creator need to get on your schedule just so I can stay relevant and people can see my stuff. Fuck you. That's right. not how this is going to work. I'm going to make. No, my I stuff. got on the I got on the content treadmill a little bit. I think that that and well because everything you do or every time you look like just googling how do I get more Facebook followers or whatever your fucking goal is at the time like how do I get more people to look at my shit. That's basically all we're googling all day every day. Uh, you get these handbooks written by the corporations that are basically like you need to start every video with like don't forget to like comment and subscribe and make sure right. that you have a you know unique name for your audience so that they all feel special when like you how adjust. to build yeah. how to build a channel and all of it comes down to work for me for free a hundred percent it comes ne- down yeah. to work for me for free God, i never even thought of that i mean i, I thought <laughs> of it i thought of it but i didn't think of it showing it like it's like of course the, the search engine optimization mm-hmm. is all even the stuff that doesn't say ad yeah the hot the highest stuff is going to be from these companies that are basically like like Keep working for us for yeah. free. Keep making the internet happen. Yeah. I've worked for uh, maybe five really large technolo- technology companies in my career. And like one thing that I've found to be very consistent is that um, – oh, fuck, I lost my train of thought in the worst possible time. Bring me back. Bring me back. What were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about um, f- fucking – oh, I started to go somewhere else. Hold on. Uh, we, were, <laughs> we, were, we were talking about uh, how um, – 
about leaving platforms and like the fear of leaving platforms. And we were talking about uh, being able to access those people. And we were talking about completely leaving. And gotcha. We were, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So like, I've worked at technology companies, uh, five or six large ones. And one thing that's always been consistent is that like people are really in a hurry to build stuff. So I've like in my, you know, square career, I've designed software for many things, like many devices, um, many different types of software for many different types of people. But one thing that's always consistent is everyone wants their thing to get out as fast as possible with as little testing as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's generally someone's like hot idea that has a lot of pull in a company and not necessarily the people who have dedicated their lives to learning how to design these things in human right. ways. So if you break it down to like a, um, a company that makes hammers or something, Instead of talking to the customers who use the hammers every day and finding out what they need from the hammer and what they prefer in a hammer, some guy who's got a hotshot degree from somewhere goes, people want square hammers. That's all there is to it. We're making square hammers, so fucking go for it. <laughs> so you make square hammers, and you're like, these are weird, man. Like, they don't really work that well. And, like, I, I feel like these, just the look of them is more of a weapon than, like, a tool. And I think right. that just the look of it being a weapon is going to weaponize it. And like, nah. And then when they put it out, you know, the next hot <laughs> weapon is the square hammer. So, like, that is something that I've seen consistently where it's, like, <laughs> it's a lot, of, a lot of really smart people being overridden by people who don't really care that right. they're smart. You know, they're like, yeah, but I know how to make money, motherfucker, so right, right. go ahead and use your egghead bullshit to make my square hammer, and you're like, oh, <laughs> well, and, and then and then past that, we were talking about how all the, like, how-to information yes. out there. Well, I mean, they, they directly profit. Like we were saying way earlier, when artists get into a place that's, like, free to live and kind of gives them freedom to do what they want, they turn it into a really interesting area. I mean, the area we're in right now is kind of like that. It used to be, and now it's turning more and more into, you know, corporatization and shit like that. But it, it's the same thing. They need us there so that it stays an interesting place. But they also know that we need them, too, and we know, they know that we're building businesses off of the access that they give. So now that access that they give becomes the currency that they can pull and train us to do more things mm -hmm. by rewarding us and going like, maybe we'll give you 7% of your audience instead of five this That's time. That's so fucked up, Maybe we'll up, give you 10. It? Yeah, it's really fucked up. It's And it's and they say it's because, well, you know, not all your audience is going to want to look at all your stuff all the time. Only 5% of my audience <laughs> yeah. wants to look at my stuff. Yeah, the rest of them are... Because that's what's going on now oh, is 5%. Well, and it depends on if you if you're posting the type of content that you know the algorithm responds to too. If it if you're posting the type of content it doesn't like, you get even more deprioritized because you're not right. showing good content. But the definition of good content is never defined. Truly, it's always very vague, and it's up to the whims of whoever's like running the platform at the time. It's never something yeah. that a creator can sit there and consistently be like. People that anticipate stuff, they're actually just really good trend watchers. And they're going, we're going right. to hit that before anyone else so we can have that moment. Right. And so the whole internet becomes about moments rather than like you deciding your own timeline. It's now like, it's not MF Ruckus's timeline of recent releasing this record. It's your timeline of recent releasing this record, but you got to talk about impeachment. You're going to have to talk about election. Right. You're going to have to talk about candidates. You're going to have to talk about this right. because the internet quote unquote is 
you know, going and everyone's talking about this. Right. But we just talked about how the internet is all being siphoned into this red and blue debate of... So all the art is becoming a mouthpiece for that that ideology. Bingo. Yeah. It's like, it's like, man, you know what would really get us a lot of traffic right now is if we wrote, if we wrote a fuck Trump song or something yes. like that. Or we're gonna, the Witcher just came out. Let's do an entire series about the Witcher right now. Right. You know? Let's Witcher do podcast. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it, put it like trying to stay on top of that yes. stuff, and it, or like, ah, man, it's oh. And we, <laughs> Dude, we tried it like out. I because I I'm I've always been a politically minded person, and I may not have always like said what I believed and things like that, but I've always felt that an understanding of politics and especially like how people are using it to manipulate others is something that's important. So I feel like. It's it's difficult now because I totally don't want to be engaged because it feels even less genuine than when I was first learning about politics and you're starting to first right. learn like, oh, none of these people have it figured out. They're all fighting just based off what the idiots that they represent are right. saying, or at least that's the way it's supposed to work. But then you layer in like now money is a thing. Oh, money makes everything weird in politics. And all of a sudden, big money can come from right. nowhere, out of, out of nowhere, and it's not attached to anyone's real name. Right. And it's that's like, let's, fuck shit up. let's let's put some dollars into this fight that people yeah, are having right let's now. just pour gasoline on it yeah there's a there's a moment right now where people are having a fight so let's like like you look at that gillette super bowl ad yes you know yes. what i mean yeah like that was just like the most disingenuine like <laughs> cash grab yeah just like fucking just like you know what people are talking about right now is yeah. they're, they're talking about gender equality and 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 me too's a big thing yeah so let's make a razor blade commercial during the fucking super bowl that people will argue about for for a year but it's and, and advertising's always been shitty Right, like right. there's. It's it, always been shitty. It's always been shitty. But like the thing that's new about it is that now there's like, oh man, a company put out a shitty commercial that's stupid and we don't like it. Well, we better rally all our troops and talk about it until the end right. of time because this is just an affront to who we are as people. It's like no, an ad company made a bad move. Like Gillette made a bad move. The company, the creative director on that shit made right. a bad move. Sometimes I wonder if that ink coffee thing. <laughs> that went down yeah, was deliberate. I think everything's a work. Like, do you I think, think, do you think it work. was? Do you think it was tone deaf or do you think it was deliberate? I think it was deliberate because yeah. the people, I don't know, I, ink coffee. Either way, doesn't feel political to me. Like, if I've ever been in one, I don't ever feel like, oh, right. this is a Trump coffee shop for sure, <laughs> or you know, like, oh man, this is right. an Obama coffee shop for sure. Like Pablo, sure, that feels like a fucking like communist coffee shop, right. but it's delicious, so, so I still go. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, uh, and sure, I'll read fucking Marx. I don't give a fuck. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't think that I, I think everything's a work, and I think that there was a book that came out. By a guy, oh, fuck, I can't especially remember. if you're a corporation, yes, with multiple locations, yes, and you are opening up a shop with in- locations that are often closer to the suburbs than downtown, at least with Ink, right? Like right, they're a little closer to the edges of Inglewood and stuff like that, right? Like, I would have to go to the Rhino Ink Coffee and see how their business is doing, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it did get them a lot of visibility. Yeah. It's like, what better way? Well, And they doubled down when they were like, they kind of got the controversy. They doubled down, right? Like they, they pushed back. 
did they push back? As far as I remember, the owner held the line. But really, again, I could be talking about a wholly cooked up article that I saw pass by my feed. You could have the influence. You know what I mean? Like this is the part that gets confusing. I thought they issued an apology. So then you may you're. I think you may be more informed than I am on what, this. What, this what I thing. what I understood because first of all, the way it got set off, I think was one tweet. Mm -hmm. And it was from, uh, I think it was from uh, a black woman mm -hmm. who put this tweet out. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, when something like that happens. Uh, and for people who don't know what we're talking about, this coffee house in Denver right, right, right. put out a sign that said, like, happily gentrifying. It, happily, happily participating in gent gentrification since blah, 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 yeah, blah, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Like, it was... It was something that that definitely ruffled some feathers, and it was something that got people really upset. It would probably piss me off seeing it if I walked by. Right, but that's as far as. But it would you go. would probably you'd probably go, "Wow, go, that's, that's fucking weird." <laughs> but what? Well, what happened is is I think this is what I think, and and you know, if someone could cr cr uh, correct me without yelling at me in all caps, <laughs> that would be great. But what I think happened is is one. One black woman tweeted about it, mm -hmm. and then, um, like happens, a bunch of woke, college-educated white people mm -hmm. decided that she was a representative of the entire community and took up arms and protested and internet shamed the company mm -hmm. and, and put them on blast. It ended up getting an article in The Westward yep. about it, like, locally... It became a it became a major local issue. Yeah, and um, I remember them issuing an apology. That's mm -hmm. what now. That's what I remember. It's been a while since it happened. So I mean, and we don't have Gordo here to look it yeah, up for and us like and I help said, us out. I could be like I said, I could be using. Um, Information that was given to me to make me believe that they had doubled down on that. Right? right, right. Because, like I said, it's not a story that I'm super invested in. Like, okay, a coffee shop wants to say something weird on the Well, sign. it's over. Exactly. It's over. It's yeah. over and done. You know yeah. what I mean? And so we would... But what ended up happening is there was a giant rally of people out in front of their business. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, there were protests. There were boycotts of Ink Coffee. And then, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, man. It was a, it was a big thing. Damn. Um, yeah, it, it became, at least from what I saw, mm -hmm. it was like all the people that we know from the music community, you know, all our, yeah. all our mega lefty friends mm -hmm. were like, we're like, fuck that, fuck that, fuck that. <laughs> and then our more like libertarian friends were like, it's just a sign. It's just yeah. a coffee shop. Yeah. And then our mega lib friends are going, fuck you, it's not just a sign. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then people, you know, the trolls and the lurkers are cracking jokes yep. and getting um, in yeah. the fucking tug, tug of war. Well, because you know when they mean? get the joke going, maybe they crack a real good joke that starts their own little engagement pile on and then oh, all this, yeah. you know what I mean like uh, yeah I get it we I, all have our friends who like get pleasure out of the internet fight yeah they and get, it's always and like when you're hanging out with them they're excited about it they're like oh I'm gonna fucking tell this dude what's for and they're like, like check it out check it out like, they show their phone to you dude we, <laughs> we scroll it and it's just fucking wall of text dude we've all got that friend and we've all done it to a degree yeah you know what I mean yeah like I have screen capped conversations with people For and sure. put them on blast. Yeah. You know, I have relayed accounts, stories, and it's not something I would do now. Yeah. But but I have done it in the past and dude, it's like 
you put somebody on blast, and then it's just a bunch of people piling on and agreeing with you. Yeah. And then the people who are hurt by whatever it is mm-hmm. challenging you and it going back and forth, man. And it's like, it's hard to imagine that a company like that would have not seen that many steps through knowing what we know. Yeah. Like in the age of corporate consultants, mm-hmm. like, hold on a second. It might have been early enough. It might have been early enough in the conversation, like in, in that. It might have been early enough in that phenomenon mm-hmm. that they were legitimately ignorant to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I will give them the benefit of the doubt yeah. and say that. Because it was it was a few years ago, so it's easy for us to look back knowing what we know now and mm-hmm. say, oh, they knew. Everybody knows that that's the way this shit works. Yeah. But, man, when we first started doing this podcast a year ago, a year and a half ago, yeah, I remember a time when it changed over to feeling my self-monitoring really ramped up. Mm-hmm. There are older episodes of this podcast. In fact, do not even older episodes of this podcast. I can think of moments in the last the last handful of podcasts where I had moments where I was like that pinge of concern yeah. popped into my stomach. Yeah. You know what I mean? That pinge of like, oh man, if somebody hears that, it's well, gonna, you know. We've and, already covered some topics that I've gotten in hot water over before, and it's like I'm already like kind of anticipating blowback for whatever that is. You know, like even mentioning the you know the record store with the NSBM shit in it. You know, like, right? It's like I've gotten shit for that on the internet too because of taking a similar stance of like I don't think that they don't have a right to exist, but I like personally and kind of philosophically want nothing to do with it. I don't engage. Well, and this is something that has come up and is another one of these things that, that I would feel fearful to put in a post or to interject into a disagreement. I feel in my heart of hearts that we as sovereign individuals, regardless of our, regardless of our gender, sex, sexual proclivity, race, uh, creed, nationality, age, level of attractiveness, regardless of any of Tell our them. subcategories, we as sovereign individuals have the right and, and the responsibility. I think this is the thing that people need to add into the rights part. Mm-hmm. It's like we have the right and the responsibility to be the barometer for society and decide for ourselves what is acceptable in society and what is not yeah. by with our attention. Yeah. And there have been some things that have come up lately with people protesting shows. Mm-hmm. By all means, protest a show. Yeah. This is where I draw the line. Bringing business owners into it. Mm-hmm. If you attach attack a business owner who is uninvolved in this thing, like, like a, a club like, owner, like a club owner. Okay, you know what I mean. Like, like we talking about early on in the the podcast, we talked a lot about the black pussy thing. Mm-hmm. And if you want to protest them, I disagree with you. But mm-hmm. if you want to protest them. By all means, protest. Totally. But the people who made threats to the venues, yeah. the people who sought to destroy the venue's reputation, who are really just trying to host entertainment. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, here's the other side. Like, I, I draw the line there. 
Also, I think you are robbing people of their own critical thinking abilities. I think mm-hmm. you are. I think when that happens, you aren't giving human beings the credit they deserve. Yes. That most of us are capable of going into a show, and if you see a band that is on stage and they start spouting off a lot of nationalist bullshit, or yeah. they start, you know, or there's some black metal band that's like. Black metal bands just say shit to say shit. Exactly. The the whole vibe of their art form is being disrespectful, evil pieces of shit. Well, and that's the thing is like NSBM makes sense in that scene to a degree because there is nothing more repugnant, right? Right. Like national socialist views are fucking repugnant. Right. And they make everyone uncomfortable and they conjure the worst imagery that like could be brought right. to your mind. So as a purveyor of chaos, as someone who thinks that right. they're Lucifer's appendage fucking sowing discontent, it makes sense to use that imagery. Right. Like my question always comes down to intent is like, are you using that imagery because it's vile and horrific and right. that's like the what the intent you're trying to get, like getting the reaction to it is what you're after. Or are you putting it as forth as like lionizing it and saying that like because right. that's a whole different fucking thing to me. That's intent of artists putting something out there and saying like I'm using it because it's a really horrific backdrop for a story. Right. Or I'm like Angel of Death by uh, Slayer. That right. Is a undoubtedly about Joseph Mengele, you know, right. it's a very horrible thing, but no one is like, well, they must love, they must be like super white supremacists no. because they put that out. Like they faced uh back. They're like, this is like out. the horrible, this yeah, is the exactly. most horrible thing that I can exactly. think of in and, and our brand yes. is, is, about, is, yeah. is about, is it's like, if you put out a horror movie, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to get mad at the director for portraying a character. Yeah. Now at the same time, Playing the devil's advocate Sure. You look at, like, now, I never read Lords of Chaos, but I did see, I saw the movie, which I know gets mixed reviews, but the impression I walked away with from seeing that film, and from what I know of the story of that scene, Mm -hmm. what I walked away with was, this was a bunch of bored kids. Yeah. Playing scary bad guy. Yes. Trying to create... It's just like when you and I were younger and we got into punk rock and and, and metal and like DDC was really um, inspired by Bad Luck 13, Riot yes. Extravaganza yes. and things like that. And you guys incorporated things like that into the element. In our early days, Do you remember we the- were inspired <laughs> by like Gigi Allen and shit yes. like that. Yes. You know what I mean? Like... We were like, this is the most hardcore evil shit. Like, we were trying to portray a message. Now, to play devil's advocate. Yes. When you look at that story and you see that and you go, oh, it was a bunch of kids playing playing dress up. It was a mm-hmm. bunch of kids playing characters. Yes. And, but then there are those outliers like Dead mm-hmm. who committed suicide mm-hmm. and Embark. maimed himself be, because he was mentally unstable yeah. and got exposed to this art form. Yes. And then Varg who became a murderer yeah, and not just a murderer, but a brutal murderer because of the emotionalization behind his, this character that he had Mm -hmm. created when he had originally started was, you know, kind of just a sweet, insecure little, little, little boy, you know, scared little boy trying to be cool with these other people. Yeah. You know, so I understand that there is the risk of those kind of outliers manifesting. Mm -hmm. But I also think that we as the general public, we deserve the right and we are responsible for 
filtering those things out on our own. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it's the role of the artist to even like package that stuff and present it to the public for consideration of like, right. Ooh, I captured this really weird emotion, everyone. And I'm going to put it out to you and you kind of react to it. And we'll decide as a society, like how we actually right. feel about that. I feel that, you know, the highest forms of art are able to do that, present something to you. That's like wholly uncomfortable on the basis that it's trying to make you uncomfortable and reckon with something about that. And you're just, Deciding for yourself is like, is this something that's actually like, is this a real consideration? Is this a right. false consideration? The artist is like manipulating me to think about all these different things that art can be gets broken down into like really stupid talking points because someone wants to put the first analysis of the art up as the only analysis of the art. Right. It's it's a liberal bullshit. It's Republican bullshit. Right. And it, is it though, or is it like? Could it be a subcategory of liberal bullshit that happens to be kind of important because of this? Or is it a subcategory of Republican bullshit because it happens to be kind of important? Or could it just be the fully expressed expressed depiction of a scene or a motif or or just an idea or or a character? You know, say... And, 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 and you talk about, like, it's the responsibility of the artist of presenting it, but then yes. there's also this element of, like, we talked about kayfabe at the beginning mm-hmm. of, yeah. of the show. And if it's something like, like, if wrestling came out, and I just say wrestling is this amorphous, amorphous concept. Yeah, the yeah. people who make up wrestling came out and they're like, okay, guys, we're going to express, we're going to convey this piece of art to you. <laughs> but just so you know, these guys aren't really like this. This yeah. is just like, you know, it's all entertainment. And I mean, they do say it's entertainment, but yeah. they don't like come out every episode and go, okay, now Hulk Hogan isn't really mad at Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, Vince McMahon's you know. not going, and see. Right, 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 right. And then, okay, everybody, you just witnessed a happening. You know, that's not happening. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like when I see bands like that coming to town, Mm -hmm. I go, I'm not interested in that. Totally. Because I'm not interested in that. Yeah, not gonna. Good luck getting me to come out to stuff I want to see. Like, right, right, stuff I don't want to see. But then, like, you know, I've been on tour and we've played with bands that we fall in love with forever, Mm -hmm. and we played with bands that. Just kind of fly by out of the out of the, your consciousness, and we played with bands that we've been like, "Fuck that band." Yeah, and I'll tell you what: as a human being with decent morals and value structure, especially now that I've been through a lot of darkness in my life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have, you know, you don't want to rob someone of their own exploration, their own journey, their own yeah. forming of their 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 value systems. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, if you if you deprive someone of that like you're limiting their growth in some way yeah you know what i mean and and i get, i get it man i don't like bands like that either i don't like ideologies like that either but those bands that are part of the group where i say either fuck that band or they yeah. just flew under the radar they don't make it into my lifelong mosaic of of experience and enjoyment right, right you know what i mean when i think of the bands i've loved the most like over the years that i formed relationships with i think of tony's band road crew you yeah. know yeah i loved them so much god you guys met them fucking like 2005 yeah like way way ago. way forever ago i loved them so much that we based tours around going to chicago yeah 
We developed lifelong friendships with these people. We took one of their bandmates. <laughs> we have toured together. We have formed relationships together. We have, uh, I mean, there there have been cross pollination. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like Fatty lives with Tony's sister now here <laughs> in Denver. You know what I mean? Like, like lives, like a relationship has formed around. Yeah. Not just the love for the band's music, but who they were as people and what yeah. those experiences were. If I went to show, a show and I saw some fucking, uh, what is it, NSBM? Yeah. What is it, what it, if I saw some band like that, I would be like, I have no interest in talking to that guy. I have yeah. no interest in buying any of his stuff. I have no interest in assisting his development at all. 100%. And I don't think that in mainstream society, stuff like that is going to begin to take hold. Mm -hmm. It gets a foothold. It gets a foothold when it is driven to the fringes mm -hmm. to a place where only... Fringe people have access to it. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of have to put reprehensible ideas to the litmus test. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to subject them to the muster of society. Like, we have to decide as a majority yeah. where we agree. And I feel like when people come in and they are trying to completely drive people like that to the fringes, mm -hmm. we are ignorant. Like, we're like fucking Buddha in the palace, man. We are ignorant. <laughs> Seriously. We are like, we are like Bluebeard's wife, man. <laughs> Seriously, we are unaware of the corpses in the room. Yeah, we are unaware of the the depth. Yeah, of malice and malevolence and evil and and um, noxious ideas. Yeah, and I don't think we can inoculate ourselves against those ideas if we are not exposed to them yeah and i would even say that like because i i personally am interested in some pretty revolting things you know like, <laughs> like <laughs> not on That's the a statement <laughs> that it, dude that is like going to be a quote in a book about you dude just like that is so Famous fucking last words. good. That is so but fucking good. I do think about that because I I am interested in other humans that have murdered other humans. Like it is, it's been an interest right. of mine forever. And it's not that I'm like sitting here like on team murderer, but it's like fascinating to me how many people have decided to do that. How many people have like even just in our short lifetime have decided to do things like that. Like even within like growing up in Colorado and in seventh grade, Columbine happening and being right. like, oh shit, people can bring guns to school. I didn't know that was a real thing like right. that was a possibility and then it happened at a, a, a small children's school an elementary school like all these things i'm not fascinated in those people but i'm fascinated in the that phenomenon. that happens in right. society and what is it about people that causes them to do things like that and where do they come from and like one thing that i will say is like being a serial killer enthusiast and and like studying those people you learn very quickly they're all awful people like none of them are admirable in any way right. other than they've crossed that barrier of like taking a life and that's not even an admirable thing it's just something that like to me is one of those bears it's like insane to think about that there are people that can just turn it off and it's, be like, it's interesting you bring that up 
because I love Mind Hunter. Mm-hmm. And you know, Gordo. I don't know how much you've listened to the show, but Gordo hates serial killer culture mm -hmm. because he grew up in Kansas when BTK was going yeah, on. Totally. And legitimately terrorized his yeah, community. So 100%. he he thinks the fetishization of serial killers is is repugnant. Like oh, he is totally. not a fan of it. I get that. So but here's the caveat, and I think it relates to what you're talking about, about being a quote unquote serial killer enthusiast and being sure. drawn to a lot of revolting stuff. Yeah. I am opposed to the death penalty no matter what in all cases, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. I'm opposed to the death penalty. And I've gotten into this with my wife about that. Like, mm -hmm. I do not support it because I look at it the way those FBI profilers do in like when, you know, and obviously Mindhunter is a dramatization of sure. like some real shit that yeah. happened. But that ethos of curiosity mm -hmm. and like seeking to understand and going, you know, I really, really hold a lot of regard for like, okay, if you, if you are going to do this in society, mm -hmm. you are no longer allowed to participate in it because yes. you're dangerous and yes. we're going to remove you from society. We're going to limit your harm. Yeah. We're going to limit your harm. We're going to reduce your harm. And because you have sacrificed that place in society, yeah. you are going to, you have a choice to either help us to serve a purpose in your life by helping us to understand what makes you, what makes you, what you are. Yes. You know, what makes you, what you are. We are going to try and understand you so that we can seek to reduce more harm yes. to other people. Yes. And I think... People like Charles Manson and John Wayne Gacy mm -hmm. and Ted Bundy and all those guys, Andreas Chikatilo, yeah. you know, Eileen Wuornos, all those people. I think that we did that we did a disservice by not learning as much as we possibly could about them. I guess Charles yeah. Manson's an exception. People really did research him yeah, a lot. They did a lot. He didn't yeah. give much. But, but Yeah, right. <laughs> but I mean, like someone like Ted Bundy, you know, they put yeah. him to death. I yeah. more knows they put him to death. Did Gacy get put to death? Yeah. So like all those people are, are you know, in Dahmer's case, he got murdered in prison, but he, same he, type of thing. Someone put him to death Yeah, someone him, put him yeah. to death, right. But even then, his father at the time, and his father, like when you go back and look at the Dahmer story, his father actually like did a lot of good shit for him, like, as a father should throughout his life, like a lot of interjection points when he noticed Jeffrey's drinking out of hand, he put him in rehab. He gave him places to stay. All these things right. that you'd like expect he did not get right. were counter to like, you know, what he actually got. Right. Even then his father was like, Hey, you know, study his brain because please some, study his please brain. study his brain. Yeah. That was, that and was that's like how I life. feel. Yeah. And you can study a brain much more effectively when it is connected to a living nervous system. 100%. You can study a brain much more accurately. Like, how many times have archaeologists look at past civilizations and gone, God, if only we could talk to the people who made this. <laughs> if we only can go, why'd you do that? <laughs> if we could only just talk to that person yes. and just or just look into a window and see what they were like you know if we could only do that and i legitimately like and, and i know i might be overly optimistic but i don't believe in i don't believe in supernatural evil yeah you know 
I think that there has got to be some sort of mechanical, material, biological function behind behind those things, mm-hmm. you know, and there's there there are structural systems in place that I would want to understand. And if keeping even the most despicable people alive can help us develop treatment and help us change society so that more people like that are not created. Mm-hmm. I want that to happen. Yeah. I I want to see harm reduced universally. Totally. You know, and I and I you know, I'm um I've been really pushing the Borgen Project with a lot of people lately. What's the Borgen Project? Okay, so so by the way, if you're looking to do some holiday donating, go to the, the BorgenProject.org. Um, I actually found out my uncle called me and, and corrected me on a couple things, so I'm only going to tell what I absolutely know about the Borgen <laughs> Project. Is basically what the Borgen Project has done, and from what I understand, it is based on research by a think tank either in Seattle. I thought it was originally in Denmark. I have to read more articles about mm-hmm. their history. So just suffice to say, a, a think tank generated a list of the greatest problems facing humanity that we can solve. Mm -hmm. And they have this rank order of those things. And then they also have a rank order of action steps. Oh, wow. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. Well, normally you only get one or the other. Well, and they they get blowback because there are people who go... That shouldn't be number one. This should be number one. And da da da. You know what I mean. So yeah, there's yeah, people yeah. have their opinions. But to my knowledge, it's the first time that a a scholarly endeavor like that has mm-hmm. been has been taken up to like go, okay, let it let us systematically rank order the world's problems into a hierarchy and start working on the list. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's make a to-do list. We want to fix the house. Do what do we got to do? We need a honeydew list and we need a backlog. We need a honeydew list, right? <laughs> and so um the 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 what they have made their mission as a result is lobbying like they're they're basically a lobbying and advocacy group to end global poverty. Oh shit. Because based on their estimation all the other problems in the hierarchy come as a result of global poverty. You know, armed yeah. conflict, yeah. pollution, lack of sanitation, communicable disease, inequality, uh, even climate change yeah. in, in certain cases, you know, which they do put that climate change is, is number one, the yeah. number one problem facing us, which I think is an important distinction yeah, totally. to make. But they look at the most solvable things and they go, the number one thing that we should be working on is is global poverty. And, and I want to understand as much as I, like when I look at that, I go, okay, that this, we have a roadmap to at least start working on something. Yeah. And when I think of psychopaths, when I think of people who wish to do harm in the world, I want to use every resource at our disposal to figure out how to shave that number down over a long period of time. Yeah. You know, when it, when it comes to global poverty, I want to see someone doing work, effective work, that gradually over time reduces that number. And according mm-hmm. according to the UN, we are... We're already closing in on that, even without 
the, the even without this research with the Borgen project and stuff like that, like naturally coalescing towards that. Yeah, yeah. So the the UN um, estimates that will be the the world will be out of that they will have surpassed abject privation by 2030 or something like that. Hmm. Now, abject privation is a dollar ninety a day. Okay. You know, so yeah. it's not amazing, yeah. but it's a, it's, it's, it's a start. It's evidence of movement in the right direction. Yeah. Are, are these, are these guys associated with, um, there's a study that I saw once that was basically like, can you, is the answer to poverty simply giving people money? Yeah. And, and they went to a very impoverished village and basically said like, everyone here gets $2,000 every week for a month. Or whatever it was, you know, and and they they did it. I think it was a longer st sample study than over a month, but regardless, it was enough time that they were able to basically see, like, yeah, once we took money, like making everyone's issue not money, uh, the, the community improved tenfold. Like, right, everyone started instead of trying to stab each other on pricing and all that kind of stuff. Everyone started being like, well, what do you need to prosper? Cool, let's trade that. Well, it's it's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, you know, um, I remember. Being able to, and this was going on a lot when, when I was drinking a lot, mm -hmm. is when my most base needs, when my most basic needs at the bottom of the hierarchy of needs pyramid, mm -hmm. when those weren't being taken care of, I couldn't even think about stuff further up the pyramid. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I would notice that when I had a home, when I had good health, when I had food mm -hmm. and clean water, when I had a, like a job and purpose, yeah. and when I had a relationship, every time I would get another one of these basic needs kind of into my life, mm -hmm. these other things further up the pyramid would begin to emerge. Yeah. And I could focus on self-actualization, and I could focus on um, you know, developing and deepening relationships and things yeah, like that. Yeah, hundred percent. And and it does turn out that if you give people, and I would I would give the caveat that you give them money, but you also put systems in place for them to get access to self betterment, right? And purpose. There, there has to be education associated. It can't just yeah. be money and do do as you will. There has to be some right. sort of uh, Which is the one problem with like universal basic income yes. is it's like you're not solving the problem of giving people purpose and right. giving them agency. And when people have, they feel like they 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 have opportunity and they have the agency to act on that opportunity, things change. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and if you do that on this, and you can scale it to, you know, it's scalable within a population. Yeah, which is really fascinating. Um, man, uh, it's getting really fucking hot in here. You want to take a quick break? <laughs> yeah, let's take a break. Yeah, let's take a quick break. We will come back and uh, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. Hang tight. Killer. I, I had considered taking the coaching designation and moving in and getting an education and specifically trying to get contracts with probation offices mm -hmm. and like offender management companies yeah to like well that's a big like uh, I've had a few legal uh, run-ins and whoever's like running your case is a pretty big deal like if, right. if you get the right person 
it's a totally different thing than if you just get right. the wrong match. You know? And so, so I mean, there was that, and there was like, I was you know very excited and optimistic about this idea of like I had seen how well it worked for me being in a band and just learning how to make a plan. Yeah. Just learning the importance of having a plan in your life and like making your unconscious motivations conscious. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's really all it was is I, I was learning through NLP and a few other things and, and a lot of research that I did and a lot of mentorship I had with my coach. I really saw a need for uh, that kind of help and mentorship within mm-hmm. within our community. The problem is, is that our community is very skeptical yes. to snake oil and charlatans and 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 bullshit. Yeah, for sure. And when you say things like mission statement or values hierarchy yeah. or coach, people in our community get a little they're like, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, okay, Tony Robbins, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like there was people that thought I got into Scientology. <laughs> you know what I mean? There were people if that only, there fuck, were people we that thought I joined a cult. There were there were people who thought I got into like like I think there were some people who thought that I like learned how to brainwash people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stuff like that. But realistically, all I wanted to do was f- create a business out of out of helping our people to do the best of what they do. Yeah. Problem is, is if you want to build a business, it takes a lot of work for a lot of years. Certainly. And what was more important to me was my band. For sure. And so what I had to do was I had to I had to reallocate my energy and say, okay, I always have this designation. Mm-hmm. I have these skills and how they have helped me. I'm going to go have some more life experience, get some more education, and just kind of stir that into the pot of who I am. Yeah. Like I have this... Um, I think it's important to think of your designation, your roles, your roles in life. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I think of myself as is, is like a community celebrant, a person whose job it is to like when you think of the role of whatever cleric is, whatever your spirituality mm-hmm. is, you know, the priest or the minister or the rabbi or yeah. the, the medicine man. Mm-hmm. When you think of the role of that person, they conduct rituals and they also offer individual counsel yeah. as part of their their designation. Sure. So I began to just more think of myself of like, okay, I'm going to be an entertainer and I'm going to just trust that my values and my perspective and the things that have been helpful to me will will come across in my art and come across and just permeate every cell and everything that I do. And if anybody comes to me for counsel or comes to me for coaching or asks me any questions, I'll just offer it to them. Mm -hmm. And if they want it on a more consistent basis, then we can talk about a possible exchange of energy for making that work. Yeah. But as far as, like, again, just like being in a band, if you want your business to work, you have to, we've been told we need to create content. Yeah. And I was creating content... I was going through my own developmental things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't handle trolls very well. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really handle. Which is, I, which it, is it's arguing. Well, I don't handle criticism very well. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I can take 
individual objective criticism from a person I respect, but I don't like it when internet people take a jab at me. And also I was like... Yeah, but if anyone's ever seen you handle a heckler, it's like, that's the last thing I'd expect <laughs> you to say because I've seen you smash a heckler. Well, <laughs> I don't like to do it. It's stressful. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. You know, and it's not even like I got trolled or really heckled all that much. Mm. But I think... There was shade being kind of thrown, mm -hmm. like like fucking Aaron. Aaron quit drinking and joined some cult, and now he yeah, thinks he's yeah. better than anybody. Yeah, and I just didn't want that on the back of my mind. See, I always interpreted it as like a way to channel some of the positivity you were getting out of sobriety, because like I remember really se stepping down and or thinking about like I, I got to stop drinking. Like this is this is done. Right. I'm done with this, and like when you start paying attention, because at the time I was in alcohol classes and going to AA and all that kind of shit right. as like, you know, at the in my mind at the time to lessen my sentence or to like make it look good to the judge or whatever it was that was not rooted in getting better. It was that. Right. So then eventually it kind of shifted over to like, well, I literally get nothing out of this except for a list of problems that are really difficult to solve right. <laughs> every time I seem to do this. So but what if I just cut it out? Um, and then you start listening to the things that counselors and people in AA are saying, and some of it starts to stick and you start to realize like the things that I was discounting it for because, you know, I'm an atheist or whatever, it, that is neither here nor there. And it was all just part of your own story. Exactly. You know? It was all me being like, well, it's, it's bullshit because it's rooted in God. And it's like, yeah, that's part of it. But like, if you just even ignore the God part and listen to it, there's still some good fucking advice in there. Well, and I think that, I mean, I would consider myself more agnostic than atheist. I used to identify mm -hmm. really, really strictly as an atheist, and I moved away from that just because it presupposes certainty. Yes. And I think that that's foolish. Yes. And, and that even comes down to something I see all the time that like the suckiest part about being an atheist is like how much I really like ghosts. Right. Because you know, like, <laughs> what the fuck is a ghost to an atheist? Like right. th those are things that are hard to reckon with other than like right. I, I, I can separate that and be like if the idea of a ghost is interesting. To well, me. and I also think it throws out the baby with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. We had um we had Grant Netzorg on mm -hmm. here from um, from in the Company of Serpents, and we were talking about uh, Western esoteric magic and Kabbalah and mm -hmm. all these different things. And while we were having that conversation, you know, I don't consider Grant a fanatic, mm -hmm. but he sees the values in these stories and these mythologies yeah. and these idea, these concepts, you know, sure. these stories. Well, that's why we invented them as people, right? Exactly, and I feel like. The thing that I was doing when I was an atheist is I was saying everything having to do with religion is is wrong. Yes. Everything having to do with religion is stupid. And it's like, yeah. no, there are some people who have taken these stories and you, you shaped them so that in order to further a toxic agenda. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the intention of these timeless stories these really like like boundless stories that just mm -hmm. seem like they have always been with us as human yeah. beings that the, is they are designed to encode guidelines for behavior and guidelines for living in the earth and and kind of these like unconscious explanations for things for us to understand. And like even it's, if it's not a guideline, it's a consideration, right? Like it's a consideration, here, right? You may go through something similar. Here's someone who also here's a story about that thing. Like right. that's one. Th I have a friend Patrick I mentioned earlier, Crypticus. Uh, mm -hmm. He and I bonded over the fact that like when we gave each other advice, we took it. 
And they're like, oh, you've done this and you learned it? Well, cool. I'll do it your way because it seemed like you did okay right. with that. And, you know, realizing years later of being friends, like, you know, I think you're the only person who's ever done that. Right. <laughs> and being like, well, why do we even tell each other shit then if we're uh, going to doom ourselves to not learning from the mistakes of our friends or ourselves? Right. Well, I feel, I feel like another mistake that I made that I was actually enjoined against through training was trying to tell people how to solve their problems mm-hmm. and tell, instead of asking a lot of questions. Yeah. I mean, I asked a lot of questions and I listened a lot and I provided resources, but there were times when I would tip over into advice. Mm-hmm. And when you give someone advice or you just tell them how to do something, you are taking their autonomy away from them. You're taking their agency away from it. them. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a great way to look so at it. it. So to answer your question, you know, I never thought of myself as someone who's trying to guru anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I really was trying to form a vocation out of helping people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, first of all, I, I need more life experience. I have my own stuff to work through. I need more training. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that I want to stir into the pot. And... Right now, at this point in my life, I like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I like that I'm creating art, and maybe one day when I'm ready to stop performing so much and ready to stop doing this side of it, mm-hmm. I will, you know, I heard Grace Slick say this thing in an interview where she was like, young people should be seen and not heard, and old people should be heard and not seen. <laughs> You know, eventually when I get to the age where I can be like someone's Mm Obi-Wan, you know, I think that's the time to actually deal to do the to do the the coach thing. Gotcha. Is like get some more education, get all the right certifications and training and hang a shingle and all that stuff. But when I'm ready to do that, it's going to be something that requires a lot of energy Mm -hmm. and attention and and work. And I think I need to accept the fact that I can't tap from... I think I was misled when I was told that you can tap into your own community Mm -hmm. because people don't even want to buy Amway from each other. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like like, like you start trying to do stuff in your own network Mm -hmm. and people go, no, 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 no. You're not getting me in some MLM fucking uh, pyramid scheme. No, no. Our whole network is from people we met at shows and it's still difficult to get our whole network to a show. (laughs) Come to a show. I know. Dude, and, and... that's something I wanted, and actually, that, that's a good segue for this. And I want to I want to jump a little bit into something I've been wanting to talk to you about is is you know we've gone on some esoteric tangents yes. and we've talked about politics and we've talked about society and we've 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 talked about some really heady stuff. But I want to get down to some like rubber meets the road aspects to what you do as a creator because there's a couple things that I've been really impressed with by you is you have managed to build a successful like what i consider to be a successful project that does pretty well considering you guys play what one show a year we played one this year yeah, yeah 2019 played, we played one you played one we played one one show and, and we yet, put out one song <laughs> yeah yeah and and by the way your video is fucking awesome thank you like 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 I've said earlier on, like you were always on the cutting edge of stuff, and a lot of it is because of your background in computers and internet technologies and things like that. Like you have always been ahead of the curve. Like in the law of diffusion of innovation, mm-hmm. 
you are part of that early adopter and innovator, oh, like little, little small group. Like I, and I mean that. And it's something I've always been super curious about. And I kind of talked with with Reed about it a little bit because mm-hmm. to a degree, like Reed's been really good at it. Yeah. Like, we talked Reed's about. Reed's good at finding resonant messages, right? Like Reed's really good, good at writing a, a sentence that everyone can rally behind. Like right. that dude is amazing at that. Right. And he even mentioned like he's like he's like people have said to me, you know, like you're so good at branding, and I'm like, oh, what, you know? <laughs> yeah. He just like I, I legitimately think that he just kind of says what's in his heart, and he's one of those people who has that that knack for that of like right. of like mobilizing the people who are in his camp and yeah th- i mean that was always the best part of being a band with that guy is that right. he could he could travel the tribes get the elders to all agree to show up in one spot and then yep. when they did everyone had a good time like right. i've never had that ability but he's always had that ability it's i've always, I've always like, and i've always i've always envied that because i've always felt kind of like uh, a more misunderstood figure. <laughs> like my ideas are a little fuzzier and <laughs> and the music is a little more harder to pin mm-hmm. down because I've got a short attention span and we're changing ideas all the yeah, time, yeah, you know? Yeah. And and it's just it's it's all a little fuzzier. Like Ruckus stuff has always been a little a little fuzzier and that's because I really look up to bands that are a little fuzzier you know what i mean a little well you guys always aim very high too like you guys you guys have one of the highest like quality bars and expectations of yourselves i think i've seen in a band in terms of like, that's really cool thank in, you for saying that and in terms of like the output and expectations you put on yourselves of like a we all have to be a plus musicians like no one in your band slouches when it comes to practicing their fucking instrument right like, everyone's on top of that b you write multi-layer songs that can be like an ode to a diner on the road, but it sounds like a fucking arena rock anthem that, like, you know, Bruce Springsteen should be. You know what I mean? Like, you guys. We actually are... have a new song in our demo folder <laughs> that it's called it's called Dead End on High Street, and it sounds <laughs> it sounds like a Bruce Springsteen song. And I sing it like with a little. Like, <laughs> you put a little mustard. Yeah, on. Oh yeah, I put a little. I put a little. I put a little boss sauce That's on what... it, and it's all about. A little period of time, my freshman year of high school, and I was at Manual, and I was hanging out with burnouts and smoking weed, and we would literally go to this like cul-de-sac at the end of High Street, a dead end <laughs> on High Street, near the school, and we would smoke weed, and we'd be like, everyone would bring their homemade bongs, yeah. and it's like... It's like when you were doing drugs because mm-hmm. they were like they were part of our little <laughs> club, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like I, I do appreciate that and I'm glad you see that. But what I wanted to talk to you about is and you were talking about how how you're dealing with your own struggles in this area, but yeah. something I've been really impressed with is you just have this ability to make stuff that really resonates with your own little niche, you know, the, the like horror enthusiast, yeah. serial killer enthusiast. And like, like, dude, your new video was so clever and it Thank was you. so cool. And you were, you were able to get placed in if, for people who don't know, you guys got a song place in Deathgasm yes. in, in the horror movie. Yes. And you, you have had this ability to kind of like find the little pockets in the internet and in media where you fit and yeah. you've been able to like you've been able to do it doing it mostly by yourself because the guys that play with you they're pretty much like you pretty much write everything for Axe Slasher, right? For for every uh, the last 2 years the exception of that um we've 
we've actually started writing as a band now. That's really cool. Which is which is interesting. Like that's how DC. But you got wrote. it started, right? I used to write everything, and it was all be- coming from just like a, a place where I didn't even know if I was going to do another band, right? Like I, I was at I just left Enemy Rain. Um, I was finishing college. I didn't really know what I was going to do. And uh, I was living with a with Patrick, and he was basically like, "Well, here, have this old recording interface that I don't use anymore. Here's the software that I use. Here's how to get started. Just start writing and see what happens." Right. So I started writing, and like it became just another computer program to me. It's like I know how to do this right. fucking recording music. Okay, shit. And you know, once you learn kind of like your parameters and basics, I got good enough that I could like get these songs out that was listenable and like show them to other people, critique them, do my own vocals on it. Um, and eventually Patrick was like, "Hey, you've performed this using material or using all the, you know, software and stuff like that I've provided. I'm a mixer. <laughs> can I mix this for you?" Well, of course you can mix it for me. And then he tells me, you know, I got this guy in in Norway that can play real drums for it if you want. And then we'll put his drums under the fake drums you did. And then we'll swap, swap them out and all this shit. And until it got to like something that I was super proud of to put out. And it was like right. all just kind of me and my buddy Patrick put it together. And, and I had never done anything like that. That was fully just something I had written. And basically when I showed it to people and they disagreed with choices, I went, so fucking what? Yeah, Still yeah. mine. And you used, and used technology. Yeah. Like now, modular projects like that are mm-hmm. pretty commonplace. Yeah, totally. But when you started doing it, it was a little. It was a little bit more of like a hacker nerd thing. Totally. To do. It was not a band guy thing to do at all. It was like right. you know, a, like the most metal part about it were the songs that came out of it, and ninety percent right. else of it was like drawing pictures and posting on the internet and trying to come up with like a reason for anyone to pay attention to this music. Because right. like I'd always we. You know, the first thing we put out was a drawing of a pizza gram that Rabbit did. You know Rabbit. Uh, yeah. So he did that. Rabbit's for, cool. Yeah, he did that for me. Uh, shout out to Rabbit at Rabbit Pile on Instagram if you want some killer art. I didn't um, know that he did the pizza gram. Yeah, for he, you. he drew awesome. the pizza gram for me one night when we were uh, smoking weed. I think it was um, New Year's Eve. I was like, I got this idea for a band, man. <laughs> Isn't right, 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 right. Dude, the t-shirt, get to this t-shirt. It's fucking pizza pentagram, right? And he goes, gotcha. And he started sketching it that night and finished it like a few days later and sent it to me. And uh, I just put it on the internet to be like, okay, cool. Now I got a photo for the Facebook. You know, right, it'll right, go right. there. And the next, literally the next day, people in Italy were selling t-shirts with that on it, like through, you know, fly by night fucking t-shirt printing thing. Right. And I remember just being like, this fucking sucks that this shit just happened. Like me and my friend put this shit together and all of a sudden, like it's already out there being sold. And like, I haven't fucking taken advantage of that right, yet. Right, this right. is bullshit. Um, and people rallied behind us on that, like personal friends, right? Like they really kind of pushed forward to that. And we were able to like, basically overwhelm a couple of different websites that were selling our shit before we had the opportunity to sell anything just with negative sentiment, right? Like that was kind of an interesting thing. And it became kind of like clear that you need, I needed to be careful and judicious with how that kind of stuff worked because a, you don't want to like constantly pump people to do things like that. And B, you don't want like a bunch of figurative blood on your hands. (laughs) If you know, you send, if you sick people on people to do things like you have to be sure that you're just in your actions. Right. 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 And it became kind of like a weird thing, but noticing how that worked and just like, well, can it work and in the positive in different ways and seeing if you could like knowing that people like something to rally behind. Like I said, Reed is really good at coming up with a sentence, a sentiment, a theme, a symbol that people can like rally behind. Right. 
Axe Slasher itself became the symbol. It was like slowly becoming this way for me to bubble up ideas and 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 drawings and all this stuff. Like I'm working in these boring software fucking companies in California at the time talking in talking to this dork about what fucking C++ whatever and then this dork about his business degree and all the time I'm like man it would be way more fun to be playing music right now and right. just kind of like cranking on that and it became the outlet to like okay I have to live in this shitty world for for money but I can also exist in this internet world where like totally different shit's happening and like the reality is whatever you make it and right. like getting really interested in in shaping reality of like okay now I'm going to tell a story that's not even fucking true Right, right, about right. anything you know and it has nothing to do with me it has nothing to do with anyone but all of a sudden people are writing me and be like is there really something in mount bailey that's like evil like i kind of live over there like <laughs> can i go look for it and like it's you so started to create the mythology <laughs> right man. it's so fun to sit there and get an email like that and your first reaction is to want to be like nah man it's it's all in good fun but sometimes it's like also fun to be like yeah totally tell me what you find yeah 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 <laughs> see and where that like, goes like you're almost putting up a challenge to be like, either you want to be in on the joke, and in yeah. which case, Godspeed, yes. thank you for being part of my joke, Exactly. or you don't get it, in which case, it's yes. like, okay, it's fun to kind of troll you a little bit, exactly. and, and and tease you, and, right. and get a rise out that of it. That was the very beginning, where it was just like, you either got it, or you didn't, like very much like Guar Ghoul, where it's like, Guar right. doesn't actually want to kill people, Ghoul's not actually cannibals, and Axe is not actually ghosts that kill people, you know? Real quick aside, what do you think of the mentors? I like the mentors. I've seen them several times. Um, I know that We did play with them once. They just seemed like a bunch of like old men. To me. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, and like every time I've seen them, they just seem like a bunch of old men that like sing old drinking songs almost. You know, like how right. offensive an old drinking song is. They know they talk about punching women and you know dicks as long as a mile and all this kind of shit. But it's like, like it's a caricature. It's a right. drawing on the front of some kid's sketchbook. Exactly. Like it's not. It's not real. And I I defy anyone to go to a mentor show and actually tell me that they believe that shit. So you know? so you know I I don't I know. You know I'm a huge Ween fan. Yes. Gigantic Ween fan. Yes. And something I realized on this last run of shows when I and of course I was on psychedelics is I realized how their main gift is a commitment to letting the seed of a motif fully develop. Yes. Like they will take the smallest little seed of a goofball idea mm -hmm. and they will let it grow and flourish into whatever that thing is supposed to be. Totally. You know what I mean? And they will create sounds that support that. They will use different production techniques to support that. Yes. They will do lyrics to support that. They'll do vocal affectation to support that. They yes. will portray characters to support yes. that. They will use different lighting techniques to support that. One of the most impressive things I saw was like, anytime they did a song that was supposed to be presented like a classic Nashville country song, yeah. the lighting was all very bright spots, very mm -hmm. basic, like standard lighting type of stuff. Yeah. And then when they did more proggy stuff, it was way trippier. It was yeah. like it, it, you would go from one, like, and Richie will get this if he, if he hears the episode, but you literally refer to a light show mm -hmm. by scenes. Yeah. And what I realized is that they would, they 
had this commitment to letting an idea exist no matter what it was. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they still play songs that they get blowback about. But there's also a vetting process to get into their little club. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like you have to be in on the joke. You have to be in on the idea and the philosophy in order to get that part of it. Yeah. You know, and and when I think of something like Guar or Ghoul or or the mentors or the dwarves even. Yeah. You know, because the dwarves do that shit too. Yeah. You know that whole respect the dwarves slut, like that whole thing. Yeah. Like, I still have no idea how the dwarves get a pass. <laughs> they seem I've to, always wondered that too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody no. like dude, I have friends who are like total lefty SJW. Like, yeah, like frothing at the mouth, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, like warriors, man. And they, they like the dwarves. My first exposure to that type of stuff, I think, was picking up like a PETA pamphlet at a dwarf show, you know, like, <laughs> right, kind of shit where you're just like, same thing. I've always wondered, like, how do you get a pass for like doing that kind of stuff? And it's right. because people can feel the intent. People can read the intent that there's fun behind it. It's not right. actually, no one's actually advocating that behavior. It's the this old idea that a lot of this Denver scene used to do, which is like, isn't it? Isn't it silly that I'm saying this because you know in your heart of hearts that I don't mean this? That we right. used to, I think that Jim our, Clark, exactly, prime example, a hundred percent, and that dude was the master of it. Yeah, he's still good at it. That's the thing. <laughs> he's still good at it, but he does it in a different way now. Really, I haven't seen or, or heard from him in a long time, dude. Here, like Jim is definitely gets people riled up online. Like, yeah, he's 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 really good. <laughs> he's really good at it. He is like. What's funny is, is like to see the parallel between a guy, because when we knew Jim, he was our age. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's older, dude. No shit. Like, he was like, like I've seen pictures of him in like the 80s when he was like fi- flying helicopters in, in the military <laughs> and shit, shit like that. You know what I mean? We're like, still sitting in diapers. Dude, like, he, like, Jim's been fucking around. You know, mm-hmm. he's been around a long time. And it's interesting to see a guy that when, when we were young, and all this stuff was first emerging, you know, maybe MySpace, mm-hmm. maybe MySpace. Yeah, you know, AOL. Honestly, when I got exposed to like clusterfucks and homesick abortions and 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 like all the like Queen City punks bands mm-hmm. and shit like that, all the Cap Hill Up Yours bands like that, mm-hmm. we were in high school. You know, I did an interview for Josh Lent. A terrible one because you know I was a kid and an idiot, but <laughs> that he, he didn't even end up printing it because it was so bad. But we did that interview on uh, AOL Instant Messenger, mm-hmm. so pretty early on to see his roots as like bad guy wrestler, mm-hmm. you know, really inspired by a lot of that shit, like old school wrestling and things like that. Yeah, playing heel, mm-hmm. and he was so good at it, and I didn't get it till I got older and yeah. started to understand those things. But how? That translated into just being the world's greatest shit poster. You know what I mean? <laughs> it makes sense. It's like, and you think about these these people out there who are like world class shit posters. Yeah, and it's like they they get that rise on just a more massive scale. And you look at a band like Guar mm-hmm. or the Mentors or the Dwarves or Ghoul or yeah. or God, any of these other bands that that do that kind. Even I mean. 
I think it could be argued that Gigi Allen was even like that to a degree, but yeah. he he stepped too far into it. I think that he had genuine mental issues. That I think he was mentally that, ill too. But I also yeah. think that he was also. Um, I think that he did have a good head on his, like when he was functioning correctly, I think that he did think clearly. And I think that it got convoluted with certain things, like especially when you get into drugs like heroin and and things like that. Like he became psychotic. He became 100% psychotic. And and a lot of that is from childhood trauma. 100%. Like he had a fucked up childhood. I mean, he would do things like, uh, what in the 70s he would wear a dress to school him and his brother you know right. and, and for no reason other than like at the time they believed it was to attract fights but we know that it's because of trauma like right. that type of thing acting out in a way to get that type of attention that's going to be negative is generally due to trauma and like going to school and going there's not a lot of negativity here there's not enough chaos for it to feel like it's, home can right, cause it's, some chaos? it's your means of trying to take control yes. of the lack of control that exactly. you feel and the the it's it's your way of trying to to wrangle the chaos in your life yeah by creating a it's like this is the example that i'd give by becoming chaos almost. well dude you talked you talked about columbine mm-hmm. and we were in high school when that went down yep it's my Junior, senior year of high school when it went down. I say April of junior year, probably 99. Yeah, yeah. so April, April of my junior year. I had had experiences throughout middle school and high school where the way for me to protect myself was to act crazy. Mm-hmm. If people thought I was weird and they had made that decision about who I was, if they thought I was weird or goofy, because I was a little hyperactive and mm. I was I was a little distractible and and loud, yeah, you know, and loud. And I, I was I was a, I was nowadays we would just say like, oh, he was an artistic kid, you yeah, know? Yeah, he's an art kid. <laughs> yeah, he's an art kid. And he's he's a theater. I was a theater kid, so yeah. I was very I was like that. I remember at a very young age in elementary school discovering that. If people think you're weird, then you want to be the right kind of weird where they won't <laughs> fuck with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You want to be weird enough that they're concerned that if they cross you, you're going to do something to them. <laughs> yeah. And I remember when I left Henry Middle School and went to DSA, because I set a trash can on fire. <laughs> you know, honestly, I was just like peer pressure. I they dared some kid dared me to like throw a match. Yeah, I threw it into like a Slurpee cup, thinking it would go out, and it, so that way I had the plausible deniability of saying, yeah. "Oh, through the match." Yeah, it just didn't burst into flames. Yeah, and yeah. then it did. Uh oh. <laughs> and I remember sitting in the like principal's office or the disciplinarian or the school counselor or whatever. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the office of the school counselor and him saying that they talked to my classmates and heard that I was a Satanist. (laughs) They heard that I was psychotic. They heard that I was mentally unstable. And I remember the, I remember the counselor saying, Aaron, do you masturbate? (laughs) And I went. What? And I was a te- and I was a preteen boy. So fuck, so, of course you did. So of course I did. <laughs> but I was also at that age where I was like, no. Yeah, I don't. I'm not no, telling you if I do. No, I don't. <laughs> no. Even though it, it, he knew, you know For what sure. I mean. He, and I, but what kind what of questions that dad? What he was trying. What he was trying to do was 
get me to admit that I was like a pyromaniac and setting mm-hmm. the fire aroused me in some way. And this, this defense mechanism I had built up around myself, mm-hmm. this identity I had developed around myself to offset trauma, yeah, to protect myself, ended up becoming the way the world knew me. It didn't resonate me. It didn't occur to me then, but the same exact thing happened when we start getting into punk rock and metal and extreme music and oh, we yeah. start going we start going man i really want to be part of this group of people who accept me yep i really want to be a part of this subculture this counterculture that seems to accept me and seems to let it be okay that i am who i am and that yeah. i am a little weird yeah and so then you start taking on other ident- attributes of identity mm-hmm. from that the good and the bad oh yeah well and, and that's like alcoholism coming from that oh yeah you know we were talking about dd early ddc shows do you remember when you were saying we were uh, influenced by bad luck 13 do you remember the trash can full of weapons we carried around yeah. for a while yeah like thinking about that idea i've thought about i've come back to that so many times as an adult and been like we should have been stopped like yeah. multiple times because we carried a metal trash can that had a full-on fire axe inside of it like the kind that a firefighter would carry Mm -hmm. uh an aluminum baseball bat covered in thumbtacks from like handle to tip everywhere um like and dead animal heads dead animal heads um like whatever we could find like you know just any wild and crazy shit we could think of because that's what we thought our lot was is that like we had to over extreme everything in this scene because that's what we thought people were expecting of us so that turned into like well, let's over extreme the drinking. Let's over extreme like right. getting fucked up and loaded with people. And, you know, like we're in these lawless environments that already are insane that they exist, like right. garage land where, you know, a dollar a shot, dollar a beer. Right, you right, know, right. Holy shit. Don't dollar shot, dollar beer and uh, no ID. You're still in the clear. You know, that was the fucking right. garage land. And we're rolling up with our guitars and fucking amps and we're bringing a trash can full of deadly weapons that can harm people and on the first cord kicking it over into the pit and being like do as you will right that's entirely irresponsible i know like ridiculously irresponsible i mean i i was the same way you know i in my heart like the person i am now is honestly the person i kind of feel like i've always felt like i was yeah i just care less about being cool i still care about being cool yeah you know i'm shedding back layers all the time Mm -hmm. you know especially my son being born Mm -hmm. my layers of selfishness i dropped a lot of those as soon as he came i'm curious about that because i still notice those hanging around of like oh should i actually feel that or am i just being selfish (sighs) man you know what i gotta tell you dude i don't feel like i became like, I feel like I cast away a lot of falseness mm-hmm. and started to really become a decent man when I started focusing on being a good partner and a good father. Mm-hmm. When I stopped drinking and stopped my little narrative about the crazy rock and roll contrarian piece of shit, mm-hmm. as I cast those layers down... And started to really be the person I was kind of feeling authentically deep down. And like I said, it's a it's a work in progress. It's a lifelong work in progress. Always. It's an asymptotic pursuit. <laughs> you know, not like being in a stable relationship, being sober, and being a father of the most beautiful baby boy I've ever seen in the whole wide world. Hell yeah. You know, I feel like I'm able to connect to people better. I feel like I lie less. Mm-hmm. You know, we all lie. 
Yeah. But and and we all we all say things that we we purport to be the truth, but aren't actually the truth. Well, and sometimes things are the truth at the time, and the truth changes. Uh, right. Specifically, like um, I get down on myself because I feel like I overcommit to going to people's things, and then I'm very quick to like not go if I don't feel like going. Right, right. And I feel like the the proper shooting all over yourself. Yeah, you know, you want if you want to feel. I mean, it's probably just the excitement of doing that, <laughs> shitting on yourself. But yeah. you know, the idea of of forgiving yourself for doing that stuff or just not committing to it in the beginning and being like, that sounds great, but I can't commit. Right. You know, right. just lessen it that way. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's like since, since entering into this, this new thing, it's like, I feel like I lie to myself less and that I express fewer falsehoods. That's good. I still do omit sometimes. You know, I still do say things to save face, like I think we all do. Omission is one of those learned behaviors that's super hard to break, right? Yeah. Like, and then there's... Well, you're used to, when we're kids, we're penalized in some way for admitting to th- less desirable yeah. attributes. Yeah. Less desirable behaviors, you know? Mm-hmm. But I'm work. I mean, I'm, wor- I'm and I'm working on it all the time. But I deal with depression like anyone else. I deal with sadness like anyone else. But I really do feel less driven by the attainment of a quantity of friends and accolades. Yeah, and it's more like I want to do right by my girl and my kid and my family and the people in my immediate circle. And I want to travel the world and make music with my friends. Yeah. That's like my number one priority. You know, I mean, that's outside of all the most important stuff. I would say my number two priority is traveling the world and making music with my friends. Yeah. And the whole, you've had that goal since I've known you for fucking 20 years. Always. Dude, you know, what's interesting. You and Reed both said that. (laughs) And that's like, and like to me, Saying those words is a sentence that I only formulated a few years ago. Right. You know, but I guess I must have communicated that in some way all along. Well, you I, know what I mean? I remember one of the first times I think I ever got to know you. It was at the 1080 Colorado house. Oh, boy. Um, but it was, <laughs> it was not one of those stories. It was a, you had just decided to start a songwriter's group oh the songwriters guild that yeah. i was trying to start yeah. yeah you just started a group of songwriter, and like i thought that was like i was like none of the rest of us are thinking that way i should show up and see what this I is i think all we about. had i think we had one hangout too it was cool you know because, <laughs> because that's but that's that's another thing is like what i've developed being older and what i got i really want to figure out a way to get my kid into this at a young age you know <laughs> is what i figured out is the structural way of of wood shedding and figured out the importance of habits mm-hmm. and showing up and doing the work. Dude, like, that's, I think that that's more important than anything. It's less right. important. To, one thing that I think holds me as an artist back and a lot of people as artists back is like looking and thinking that you need a large amount of time to complete something unbroken amount of time versus thinking that you can use pockets of time and still make progress. Right. As an, as an artist, you know, you, you have this idea that you're going to close the door on Friday night and on Sunday morning when you open it, you'll have a complete song ready to go to show the world. Right. That ain't fucking it, man. Like you're lucky if you get half an idea for a song, that moment that you sit down to write. So think, I like to think of things more like, Idle time gets spent on things that I want to see flourish or grow. So, do you, like, do you ever read any Stephen Pressfield? Do you know what Stephen Pressfield is? No, but I, I have. I the think, War of Art. Oh, okay. Doing, no, I did. I did the read. Work and, I did read the War of Art. I did read the War of Art. Like he talks a lot about like how 
resistance. In, it, well, and and he talks about how inspiration, like he's like people think of the muse as like this like divine angel that like comes back and gives you ideas. And, yeah. and and I think he's quoting even Stephen King when he's talking about this. Like it's a quote within a quote, but he's like he's talking about how like the muse is like like a curmudgeonly like <laughs> aloof. Dude yeah. smoking a cigar and post polishing his bowling trophies, mm-hmm. you know, like like you have to show up and inspire the muse to show up. Yeah. And um and 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 in terms of my creative career, you know, we're talking about what having a kid has done mm-hmm. is first of all gave me an appreciation for Ty's limitations, you mm-hmm. know, and Ty's commitments and his sacrifice. It gave me a very deep appreciation of that. Mm-hmm. I apologized to his wife oh, the shit. day my son was born. Oh wow. You know, I'm sorry for I'm sorry for every way that I wasn't considerate. I just didn't know. I was like and now I know. Yeah. I was like I know That's it's just the you. beginning, but my my brain your brain rewires when you have a kid, if you allow it to, you know what well, I mean? Well, I think that's biologically yeah, it should, it's, right? It's a biological thing. Quote, unquote, deadbeat dads are guys who have removed themselves from the conditions, mm-hmm. from the environment that would cause them to biologically yeah. be involved. Yeah. You know, they keep a distance or they resist or they fight it or they, they do any number of things to keep themselves from being in the condition. Mm-hmm. Of of having that desire, yeah. I don't know. That's just that's just occurring to me. It's you know, just my two cents. But um, what I have noticed is that it's made me focus more on the long tail idea, mm-hmm. and more like it's not about making something where we blow up tonight. It's about creating a body of work so that in fifteen twenty years, when my son is old enough. He can come with us. Yeah. He can come on tour. He can say, yeah, my dad did all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Uh, no, my dad's Aaron Howell. We, you know, and, and where I grew up, it was like we made music together. Mm-hmm. We, we practiced together. We recorded together. We learned together. We, we made stuff and we had a lot of fun. He was around a lot. And as long as I remember, he was always creating. Yeah. And, you know, being able to be like, be like it, like my dad and I joke about I made this joke merch dad and merch lad that's my goal is <laughs> is 20 years from now having my dad in his 80s and my son in his 20s and the three of us going on tour together and having my son either tech or play his own stuff if he wants mm, to yeah. you know obviously if he wants to and so it's made he it he may um, be road managing you guys by that time right right exactly and so it's made it like I still get frustrated. I still get annoyed. I still get impatient. I still have the Alaska thoughts and want to quit. But once Tony moved back, mm-hmm. old me probably would have lost the band or just replaced him and gone a different direction or something would happen. But but like becoming a parent and having those relationships become my priority with my friends and yeah. like reminding myself of that, it's like now it's like, okay, how can we make this work? Yeah. And so we've been sending music back and forth on GarageBand. Nice. Just demoing stuff. And that's how we keep in touch. Perfect. You know, and we do we do this podcast and you know, we're going to get it dialed in where we can Skype Tony in, but mm-hmm. doing it without him has been has been hard and I miss the shit out of him, but yeah. we're like keeping his spot warm for him. Totally. You know, so we can hang out. Yeah, I've always admired the fact that you guys have uh, Tony living in Chicago like cuz you did that for a while and then he moved here. And, and then, then he, he moved, moved back. back. Yeah. And uh and you've kept it going. And that guy is like that guy has godly fingers. Let's you just don't, get you don't, you don't let someone like that go. <laughs> no, you can't. Like And, and that's high praise, because you have godly fingers too. Thank I you, think sir. I think the only reason 
you didn't end up in our band <laughs> was because when we were doing those early auditions, we were not at your level yet in terms of skill. And <laughs> what I, are dude, you talking about? Dude, you came, you came to jam with us at 1083. Yeah. Because we were like, was no, Jordan wasn't leaving yet. No, it been, it was gonna we be, were going to get a second guitar. It was dual guitar attack with Jordan. Yeah. Right. We were trying to get a second guitar, and you came to, you came to play with us, and you were just ripping these solos the entire time. <laughs> and we were just like, ah, man, that's good, but I don't think that's us. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't think we're there yet. And then and that, of course, on my side of it, I'm like, I better keep playing these solos to show them what I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, but you, I mean, even then, you were like, like your head was in the future so much. You know, you had synth mod on your guitar oh yeah that was like something that like the dude from macabre used yep. to like get different weird digital yeah. sound effects it was an extra pickup that was a midi pickup that could convert a guitar string vibration into a midi signal right so that you could use both signals from the guitar through the amp right so you could have a midi signal and a guitar and signal. I, I remember seeing that and i was just like what the what is this? <laughs> I was like, this is some fucking Battlestar Galactica technology, man. I barely, I couldn't even use that thing correctly, but it, it seemed cool at but the time. But still, you have always <laughs> been drawn to that shit, yeah. you know what I mean? And it's super cool. So, I mean, I guess what I want to know about is like, how do you keep it alive with it only being you? How do you keep doing things in the long run? How do you keep showing up and and creating really very cool stuff? Thank you. For the longest time, it's like a werewolf curse, right? Like it's something that's just not going to go away. <laughs> it's like a werewolf curse. <laughs> you're, you're like, I think, I think I could put this band shit behind me for a while. I'll go to college and I'll, I'll get it. But the whole time I was in college, I was jumping around in bands. The whole time I was like trying to get a career, I was jumping around in bands. The whole time I've been unemployed, I've been jumping around in bands. So it's like, it's one of those things that I just had to accept was always going to be there. And I have an aspect of my personality that's not super acceptable in a lot of the places that I was spending time at. Like when I was. Right in California working at technology companies like I worked for a company that made the uh, the cameras that Marvel uses and shit like that you know it's so, like you think that would be awesome you're like oh it's like right next to movies and you know they have their own studio and the more you get into it the more like the facade of all the stuff that you like lionize starts to fall away and right. the more you realize it's just another group of weirdos doing weird shit together right. but that that also invigorates me too of just like the, this gigantic camera corporation is literally just a billionaire with a bug up his ass right what's to stop me from just like focusing spare energy or energy that's not sold at this time towards something that is gives me a lot of uh, like enjoyment like the whole reason to do this and a few and a handful of other people if you're lucky right Right, exactly. It's I'm thankful for everyone that listens to us, or even has like given us a chance and didn't like it. You know, like the fact that you clicked and and gave it a shot, it means everything. Because not everyone's gonna like what we do. That's fine. Like I don't expect everyone to. That's kind of like the realizations of going into that, or like doing videos for uh, uh, you know the biggest metal label that you could think of, and then realizing like they have no budget either. Well, <laughs> is like, it fuck. is it is it hard? Is it hard for you to because so because so much of what you do happens in cyberspace? Yeah. Is it is it hard for you to have your only feedback be the analytics and the data and the online response? Like because you I mean if you guys only play one show a year, you're not getting that face-to-face -face interaction. Right. But that one time a year or right. two times a year whatever it is. Well, and that's basically like the methadone 
uh, schedule for us too. Is like one a year is not not what we're shooting for. It's not what we want, but it's what works out this year and has worked out before. Um, we've done fly dates and fun stuff like that, and this year we're actually working on something. I can't say anything about it just yet, but that's cool. Um, in September we're going to do something cool. Can't say anything. <laughs> Opportunities are always the best. Yeah, I love it. They're perfect for podcasts, but you know that all. All it means when someone says they can't say anything means we haven't finished the agreement, right? Right, right, right. And right, so right. we're trying to figure shit out, trying to make things happen. And we might, um, we might jinx it. We might, we might jinx the deal if we say it out loud. I'm still at the helm of this, so there's plenty of chance for it to fuck up. <laughs> so, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you stave yourself, and what is, what is your, what lets you know to keep going? it's little things. It's never any one consistent thing. And if I, if I were to look at it moment by moment, I would have quit by now. Right. Like it's, it's about looking at at long-term stuff and seeing that like, well, when the thing first came out, five people listened to it. And then the next thing came out and 10 people listened to it. And then the next thing came out and 20 listened to it and some bought it, which was nice. And then you keep kind of like building upon that. Um, There's also like, I find satisfaction in those small steps because the big steps, like the big flashpoints that have happened for us that I'm thankful for, like being in, in a couple of movies or um, being fingered as part of Pizzagate or something, you know, like these things that happen, <laughs> these things that happen are, they're not the goal, they're byproducts and they're, they're like, like you said, I, I've given up the idea that there's going to be a break. There's just going to be more things that happen that look like breaks, right. but really they're just opportunities that are being seized because A, I'm either met my Maslow's hierarchy of needs to the point that I can be open and receptive to those opportunities, right. or like they're just generating as a byproduct of me just continuing to focus on it. Like right. I don't know if the next iteration is going to be no album at all, only videos or something like that. And that's what's interesting to me about the band is that like without a master of a label or even the master of financial success around us, it's like we are clear to do whatever we want as long as we can, you know, focus and make it happen. That looks like trying to rub two pennies together to make 10 pennies and, you know, making something new out of that. I definitely, like when we signed with Rodeo Star, I was like, this is it, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, like first rung of a new ladder. You know, like we're we we let's roll up our sleeves and and let's get to work mm-hmm. and and as long as we show up, we'll you know we'll perform well for yeah. them and da 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 da. And the truth is, is that it was far more complicated than that. And really, what a label like what a good label is going to have is they're just going to have access to opportunities. Exactly. And. Um, but they are going to divvy out that those opportunities to the people who are performing the best for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're going to focus on the 20% who are doing the 80% of the results. As is their right. You As know? is their right. As is their right. Exactly. And, and so the other thing is, is that because they're in a different they're on a different ladder, mm-hmm. they have much higher expectations. Mm-hmm. And I just went through a pretty nice kick in the gut and like a like little depressive episode mm-hmm. because something I was very proud of didn't perform didn't perform well I- I- at their scale mm-hmm. to their scale, mm-hmm. you know. 
Yeah, but they've, but got, if, they've got their measurements. You've got your measurements, right. and and where th- I mean that's so common and even startups, but I keep, right? But I keep checking. I keep seeing these things, and and every once in a while I see something where it's like, oh man, five people from Sweden listened to my song today. Yeah, you know, or yeah. like, or like, man, the the motion comic didn't like hit a million views overnight, but like, it's still getting people to it and totally. people are still asking exactly. about it and it's it's still really cool mm-hmm. it's just you know it didn't it's it's not catching on in that way that like you hope and you hope and you hope right. because you know again all i want to do is travel the world and play music with my friends mm-hmm. and we become obsessed with and and we lose sight of that and become obsessed with trying to create the prosperity and the success that will allow that to happen. Yeah. And our our personal analytics and our personal measurements, you know, metrics, yeah. to use the, the terminology, <laughs> get totally fucked up. Yep. Yeah, the th- I think that, because, I mean, obviously I'd love to be touring all the time with the band and stuff like that, but for the longest time of this band's existence, everyone else had a touring band, right? So it was like, I was just lucky they were playing with us the one show we had a year. Right, and, right. Uh, but it slowly turned into something where, like, those guys that I respect, like, turn around like, man, when I walk around town, why is everyone wearing our Axe Slasher shirt and not my band shirt? Right. And I'm, it started, that becomes like a little pride point, right? Of just like, right. oh yeah, you mean the band that you spend all your time with and all your, all your money on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're still seeing more of our I've shirt? Been, I've, been nice. on, I've been on the other <laughs> side of that before. I actually, um, when I was first in Monolith, I got, <laughs> I, uh, Doug and I got into it a little bit because I got envious of my own band. I've gotten envious <laughs> of my own band a few times. <laughs> I got envious of White Fudge before. It's like, you're in that fucking band. <laughs> I got envious of Monolith. And and Doug straight up said, dude, you're being kind of bitchy. <laughs> and it was because I was, you know, Monolith was this new thing. And it was, you know, we were mostly based in North County, San Diego. Mm-hmm. And there was kind of an emerging uh, classic metal scene, revi- revival scene there. You yeah, know, a, a lot, lot of bands doing writing it. easy records and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and just a lot of that kind of stuff. And so Monolith really at least seemed to me to be catching on and catching a lot of heat and being something that people gave a shit about. Mm-hmm. While I felt like my lifelong project, MF Ruckus, was just like a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, you know basically like there were people in the the media and the underground you know the 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 underground kind of little button pushers in like the true metal world kind of were like glad to talk to me about monolith stuff mm-hmm. or glad to help out Doug with monolith stuff or glad to invest in monolith stuff but wouldn't even return an email when it was related to ruckus stuff mm-hmm. and I got very bitter and resentful and envious about that I got envious about a band that I was in you know what I mean I get that though because entertainment is one of the few industries where you send you try to do business with someone and no comes in the form of no contact at all oh, whereas a lot of other businesses is they reach out and like, hey, can I sell your pants in my or my pants in your store? No, we don't do that. Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's done, right? Versus entertainment is, hey, we're this band. We have some bit of online heat. Would you book us with your thing or we would like to play your thing? And that turns into nothing until you're vetted or vouched for in some way. And then right. that turns into an email 20 years from then that is 
you want to play our thing for free? Right, right, like, right. Not for free, but I mean, at I least remember, you're asking. <laughs> well, dude, and here's the thing is, is because the element of discovery has to be there for anyone mm-hmm. to care about you. Yeah. The first time we went to Germany, before we went over there, the guy who helped us out, this dude from the Turbo Jugend, this guy Marcus, who happened to be one of the bookers for the Velt Turbo Jugendtage, mm-hmm. and just liked us because he saw us, you know, we came recommended to him, the member of his chapter, mm-hmm. who was a member of our chapter and moved to Chicago. Fuck yeah. We went out and played a party, and then he fell in love with us because of that night. Yes. Put us on the festival. He was trying to help us put a tour together, and he was like, I have a friend who works for Scorpio Events. He is a, you know, he used to work for Warner Brothers Germany. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a connected dude. Let me talk to him and see if he can help you out. Yeah. And that friend refused because we j- he just he just didn't see it in us. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then we met this guy in person, and he saw us at the festival, mm-hmm. and we became friends. And when we go out there, we talk, and he's like, you know, he's not, he's in a different part of the industry. Sure. He's not, you know... These people that we think, you know, all we got to do is know that guy and they'll pull us up into the upper echelons and stuff. It doesn't no, work no, no, that no, way. No, 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 They have a job. Yes. They have a paycheck they've got to earn. Oh, and they probably have a reputation to manage. They have a reputation to manage. And they have to manage their risks and they know a lot of people in a lot of bands. So he didn't like reach down and pull us up, mm-hmm. you know. But we became friends with us, and through becoming friends with him, through actually having interactions with him, and through him actually having an experience of seeing us live in the flesh, and meeting us as people, and being in the same club, and having the recommendation of a friend, he passed me off to another smaller label that he knew, and we got hooked up with Rodeo Star. Awesome. So, like, that is like sometimes the best that you can hope for after years and years of hammering it. It's like Mr. Big isn't going to pop up in the limousine with a cigar in his hand out. No. You know, especially in our thing. (laughs) Totally. Because all things considered, even though even though the bands that we look up to seem like the biggest thing in the world, Mm -hmm. our parents have no idea who they are. Totally. Society at large have no idea. Nor will our children. Nor will our know children. Who those bands are no, to, no, no. to a certain degree. We are part of a very niche culture that seems gigantic to us. Because it is our world. Like right. quite literally, this fucking music saved me, right? Like right. and we we gave it a lot of uh we gave it a hard time for our earlier years, but like we still are responsible for those earlier years. Like, yes, the band allowed us some license to be crazy, but we took that license and used it, right? Right, like, right. And abused it. And be and abused it for sure. So uh, that's that's I don't know, that's kind of where I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, well, fuck. I want to. I normally give a shout out to our sponsors in the middle of the episode, but we were just we were on a fucking hot streak. Man, we, and we, we kept went going. for it, man. We really, we really fucking went for it. Yeah, we really did. Um, so I just want to say 
real quick, I just want to say thanks to Matula Plumbing, thanks to Evergroove Studio, thanks to Rocket Space Rehearsal Studios, uh, thank you to Ike at Flipside Music, especially thanks for the ukulele, bro. It's awesome. Um, thanks to the NugNation.com for letting us do... NugNation? Yeah, baby. Thanks to everybody. Oh, and thanks to Mutiny Information Cafe and Mutiny Transmissions. Thanks so much for having us. And of course... Uh, most important thanks to our Patreon, uh, our patrons for supporting us, man. Um, watch out in 2020. We're going to be dropping. Uh, I'm trying to release a demo on Patreon once a month. Hell yeah. Really shitty demos, too. <laughs> like all done on GarageBand iOS while we're trying to learn. But we're going to release this stuff to our patrons while we're working on the new album. I think there's going to be a market for that shit soon because so many of us are writing in this way now. Because the thing about using the computer to write, and I know I'm interrupting your uh, no, no, your no, plugs no, no, no. Here, but I, like, I, I, pl- I plugged all the sponsors. We're good. But Thanks to all the patrons. Keep r- going. Writing with the computer like this now, like the it's almost interesting to even go back through your own digital detritus to see where the song started and where it ended. Right. Like, like you said, it could be as scrappy as an iPhone leaned up against a guitar amp and then an idea captured there and then someone sent that to someone and then they put some drums behind that and then I took it and re-recorded it and sent it back. Like, I, that's going to be an interesting, like, record of songwriting, stuff that's always been worked out in the room, like, between musicians. Uh, that's interesting to me to have that record of it because for the longest time, like, songs... There were just a snippet of what all that chaos that created it, right? Like, I don't know how you guys write, but a lot of bands I've been in that wrote together, it was very chaotic. Oh, yeah. It was very much like fire, ice, and oil all coming together at once to, like, see what could happen. Right, right. Well, I mean, the the way we prefer to write is to jam together. Mm -hmm. But that's not an option. And here's the thing is, at the end of the day, just looking at output we get more done when we send it back and forth (laughs) because when you're in the room it's like it's very easy to just like jam on something for a little while and never finish it and flesh it out yep you know the cool thing about making these demos is we are very deliberately structuring things we are very deliberately building the songs with the purpose of having a finished product at some Mm -hmm. sort when you're jamming to get like so a lot of the ideas a lot of times it'll start with Tony comes out and we hang out and just get 10 ideas down. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just playing guitar and I'm like kind of just like vocalizing over the top of it. And then that idea turns into something else. Or I'm at home and I have an idea in my head and I've taught myself enough chords to be able to at least structure it and I can send it over to Tony. Mm-hmm. Or Logan has a riff that he wants to, you know, put out. We've got. Dude, we've got something like 60 rough, rough, rough demos mm-hmm. that we are kind of distilling down to 20 GarageBand projects that we will then go into the studio and record into full-on songs. That's awesome. You know, and that's the whole reason for doing that is just because we like to do it. Mm-hmm. Just because it's 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 fun to do. Yes. And um, I think uh, one the of the most th- fun. One of the things I'm going to focus on is in 2020 is doing that a little more fearlessly. Mm-hmm. Doing that a little more like keeping that in mind and less less concern about reach, 
Rest, less concerned about likes and engagement and, and things I'm, like that. I'm tossing that shit out in 2020. I'm not paying attention to likes. I'm not paying attention to engagement anymore. I'm not even, I'm only delivering messages on my terms too. I've already decided that Instagram is like that for Axlasher now. The only time I post on it is when I have something to say and I deliberately do multi posts at once be, for several reasons. A, when you ignore so the 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 platforms have an abusive relationship where, with you where they punish you for not showing up every day um, and they reward you for showing up every day and then continuously giving them more and more effort right. until the end of time. So my idea is that I've noticed that they reward you um, specifically for coming back after a long time. So I only say something when I have something to say and I say it once. And then if I need to supplement that with advertising, that's something I'll consider. But I'm done with the, okay, I got to post, I got to wake up at nine. I got to make sure that it gets posted during people's morning coffee so that they see it right. right before they get out of their meeting and during their, like during their pre lunch shit. That's when I really want to get seen. Cause that's when right. you get shared, you know, like I'm fucking tired of thinking like that. I don't want to think about that anymore. So if the, well, especially cause we're contributing to the problem. Exactly. And you the know. people, the people oh, I'm contributing in several ways. I'm an artist on the platform and the person that designs the platform. So like, right, I'm right, contributing right. to the problem multiple right. ways. <laughs> and I've, I've been <laughs> in the room with people like, you know, people like me who design software and, 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 and uh, graphic design and, and branding and things like that. We're to blame for a lot of this because it, it, for a long time it was an alchemically like an alchemy that we understood. And, and we knew that the line we walked was there was a line between advertising and propaganda and it was taught in design schools that line that line was taught right. of like hey you should make sure that like you're not creating propaganda to influence people negatively something you should know is when you put it out there it's part of the world now it's the you know right. they teach you design pollution it's part of the zeitgeist it's out there and it's either polluting or it's improving and those are your choices right. as a, like as a creator Yes, you're getting paid for this, but you also have the choice to say no. I won't get paid for you this. You have an ethical responsibility exactly. for the ecology of that, and 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 we're starting to see a lot of the people who aren't keeping that ecology in mind. It's, yeah, it's kind of run amok. But I also think that people are waking up to it. Yes, and I don't mean woke. I mean <laughs> I mean awake. Yes, I mean people are waking up to you know these these systems that are designed to prey on people's mm -hmm. emotional weaknesses and proclivities and and fears and and you know just like just like fucking listerine man yeah. you know <laughs> you don't actually need listerine but they've done a good job of convincing you that they sure you have it. haven't they um it, it's you and i we both have our struggles with addictions we put boundaries on our substances we consume things like that and one thing that we don't think about is that the people designing software for us to use also know how those systems in your brain work. Right. And it's no accident that you crave using these things. Like that's something that is actually on boardroom walls saying, make it craveable, make it wantable, like all these different things. And, and there's systems to it. There's, there's books that you can find that teach you how to do these things. Yep. Gamification is essentially the gamification, quote unquote, that these designers and, and software purveyors use is actually just tapping into your reward system. And yeah. As someone who's had struggles with addiction or substance abuse, you know that that 
is a dangerous area to play. Like the reward system in the human brain is is kind of wild, especially if you're genetically predisposed for it to be hella wild, right? Right, right, like, right. And so all these little apps and things start to stroke those little parts of the brain that right. we're all used to because we're like, oh yeah, I've been an addict. I know how that feels. And right. all of a sudden you're like, whoa, whoa, I've got cravings for my phone. I'm starting to have withdrawal symptoms because I have- Feeling my phone go off when it's not in my pocket. Exactly. Being distracted from my favorite person alive. Yes. My child, dude. And I will get distracted and catch him watching me on my fucking, or catch him catching me mm-hmm. staring into my phone looking for notifications. Yeah. You know, I turned off notifications so I wouldn't paper cut my attention. Mm-hmm. And now I just check compulsively <laughs> for notifications so I can get that little hit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, I just, in 2020, that's just like something I don't want to do anymore. Man. Use an iPhone? I, I, I do use an iPhone. There's yeah. a, an option in the settings called screen time. So you can choose like types of apps and different things and limit the amount of time you can physically use them for. There mm-hmm. are bypasses, yes, but... I've turned those things on. I've also turned all notifications off. As someone who designs this shit, by the way, right. I've turned all notifications off because I I believe that my attention is my own and it, that is one area of control I will continue to exercise is where right. I pay my attention. Right. Um, and, and so a notification that's meant to interrupt that, that my choosing of where my attention goes cannot right. be part of this unless it's important. So yeah. only emergencies come through and nothing on my phone like tries to stress me out to tell me to look at it no no badges no nothing right and and the idea behind that is so that i can make better choices with that backed up by a timer on my phone and screen time right. that'll only allow me less than an hour social media use a day or something right no and 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 i even if you don't use that time for something more productive you're giving your brain a rest exactly cuz it i mean it drops your iq <laughs> like, like there, like you can do certain IQ tests before and after using mm-hmm. social media, and it temporarily drops your IQ. I think that just fractured attention is something that we need because, like, right. I used to admire my grandpa who could go in the basement and whittle for nine hours, right, and right. just like come back fully satisfied as a person. Like that guy just whittled for nine hours, and and right. you know he he was uh, he realized he's just creating art in a different way, and that idea to be able to just sit down and focus on something, that physicality, that, that creation, how many people can do that anymore without like turning a TV on, throwing on a podcast, having the phone right here. And like, I'm a hundred percent guilty of that shit. I've, I've lived a life of being blared at by screens. Oh yeah. And now only recently am I thinking like, I got to turn all these screens off and go outside a lot more. Yeah, dude. And it's, it's, what what's interesting is I have gotten a peek into what is possible when I put my attention on something I really care about mm-hmm. and then finding out how difficult it is to make that happen in the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Like I made a Christmas album a few years ago for my family. All right. I remember that. And that yeah. is like the coolest fucking shit ever. It was dude. a lot of fun. It is for the most part, kind of shitty, you know, <laughs> but it was heartfelt and it was, it was, I wrote every single day while I was working on it mm-hmm. and it was because I was under a time crunch. I had a lot of people to make songs for and I turned out something like 18 songs with varying degrees of, of, you know, skill and, and, and value to, you know, people and, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it's it's not like I blew people's mind with it. My family was pretty impressed and thought it was very thoughtful. Of course, as an artist, they didn't respond the way that I... <laughs> never I, uh, never what wanted. you want. It's but, never what you want. But, yeah. but seeing that I was able to create every single day made me really want to write every single day. Mm-hmm. And it has been challenging out of the context of being able to say, okay, this is for a Christmas present. I've got a deadline. You know, it has been difficult to create the time for doing that on a consistent level. Yeah. So I make an effort to do it at least to some degree. Work on something, anything, mm-hmm. at least to some degree every day. Yeah. Because even if it's just opening it, looking at it and deciding today's not the day. Yeah. That's still more effort than not opening it. Right. Putting putting attention into it. Exactly. Well, well, shit, man. Um, I think we're probably close to three hours. That's fine. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we're actually, we're at four right now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the, the, con- the conversation took turns I did not expect it to totally. take. And, um, and I really, I, I really appreciate a lot your perspective as a, as a software designer, you yeah, know, man. like I, I think that's important. And I hope that the people who've listened to this have, have taken a lot of value from that. So real quick. Let's do the plug. Tell me where people can find you, what you're working on right now. Excellent. Like, yeah. yeah. Axslasher.com for everything. Uh, you know, we just put out a single on Halloween. We're going to have some awesome video from uh, the show that we did with violence uh, on 12-7 of this year. Uh, check out Ass Gasher, which is Axe Slasher's brand hot sauce, available from Shit Leopard <laughs> Richie Sauces. said he's going to give me some for Christmas. <laughs> You're going to get some for sure. Yeah, You're getting yeah. some. Uh, we're, everyone we know is getting this stuff until the end of the time. It's, <laughs> it's the greatest thing we've ever done, by far. The music is shit. The Ass Gasher hot sauce, that's what's up. This is like, this is stocking stuffers for the next five years. <laughs> I can't believe I haven't done it sooner, because now that I have hot sauce to give people, it's like, dude, we're in the clear of gifts for an entire year. Like, yeah. anytime you know that obligated gift when you show up somewhere to give someone hot fucking sauce man everyone right. likes it everyone wants it i've been i've been seeing i've been seeing a few brands do that <laughs> shit like hot sauce it's become the new business card i think dude. so hey you know what it's about as cheap as a nice business card so uh yeah yeah <laughs> it's that's great it's great um sean you know sean goodwin he does dust presents electric yeah, Funeral yeah, yeah, yeah. December. he's the mastermind mastermind behind shit leopard sauces so he created a bunch of sauces that were like colfax and denver inspired oh cool and, uh, uh, Axe Slasher's Ask Gasher is part of that. I did get to meet him when I was at King's and Electric Funeral was kind of early on. He's mm-hmm. a nice guy. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's an awesome guy. His band... Uh, he did the Psycho Las Vegas Roadshow too, right? Uh... I don't think so. That might be a different guy. I'm not sure. I thought he was part of Dusper's. I, I must be mistaken. Maybe. Never. Maybe. I, I might be mistaken too, but um, let's see... He just did Decemberger. That was awesome. Right. He's got a band called The Munsons that oh, people cool. should check out. Cool. Uh, if you like Stoner Doom Rock, uh, hey, maybe we should maybe we should do that for the one for the homies shout out. It's just yeah, do, let's do a Munson song. What's your favorite Munson song? Let's do a uh, title track off the new album. Okay. Ti- what's what's the title track off the new? I album? don't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> the title track <laughs> off the new Munson's album. Uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. Jaybird. It's good to see you, man. Oh shit, you brought out brought the Jaybird. Brought back the Jaybird, man. <laughs> I, I kind of wish we could have talked more about uh, about the Fat Jacks days, but we'll have to have you back on when we get live streaming and stuff it like that. It might be and, fun to only talk about that because that was <laughs> dude. That you was, could go, you could go some places with just Fat Jack stories well, and 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 Ward Brothers impressions, man. Getting it going. <laughs> those guys. Bush is a solid president. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe their strategy of like. 
let's hire half the punk scene to run our business. I know. Out. <laughs> I know. What's what's funny is they like hired nothing but hippies and punk rockers and like drug addicts, but they were all like. They were all fucking Subaru Republicans, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they were like they were like like they they voted for Bush, but they like, you know, wore fleece vests and went to took mushrooms at widespread <laughs> panic, you know what I mean? Played fish all the time. Played fish all the time. They'd be like, Oh, dude, I go and I party my ass off for widespread panic. My wife knows not to b- bother me the whole time panic's in town. I totally forgot that like it almost felt like they didn't even like the music. It was just the license the license to, to take mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like if this is what comes with it, fuck it. Dude, another thing is like they were the first people I remember referring to being in the weeds and being busy as being like fucked in the ass. <laughs> they're like, they're like, we got brutally fucked in the ass today. And I'm like, whoa, like in front of customers too. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, 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 and like, and they would, yeah. And that made me want to ask what you got brutally fucked in the ass in front of customers. No, I mean like we were really busy. <laughs> we'll have to do a whole episode on I'm just in. fucking fat. Jack. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is great. It's been great catching up. Uh, I regret that I haven't been consistent in my contact with you. I haven't seen you in so long, dude. And, and that's, that's the whole thing, dude, is like, I miss people. I miss those connections online. I, it can feel, it can feel so alienating to grow up. Yeah. You know, because people, people spread out. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't like when you talk about someone growing apart it's like literally they're like growing apart like like ships drifting apart in the sea you know totally. what i mean just your life gets filled up with more stuff mm-hmm. you know and, and it's not that the people in your life are less important it's that literally your capacity's all fucked up and you don't know how to right. talk about it you, you and when you have limited bandwidth for mm-hmm. engage, engaging with people and and this technology that was supposed to be designed to keep us all together is like you know connect all of us is is I don't know. There's things that are like popping up and interrupting the connection. Yeah. You know, like I wouldn't want, I wouldn't like if all of our followers were in this room right now, like I wouldn't want that. No. You know, all our followers and Facebook friends and Instagram shit. Like if everyone we're connected to online was in this room right now, that would suck. It would be fucking rough. It's <laughs> super rough, man. So it's really nice to just sit down yeah, and man. fucking talk with you and hang out. I've missed you. I'm glad you're doing great. I respect the fuck out of what you're doing. Thank man. you, sir. And, um, and have for a long time. And uh, I, I really think that that people can learn a lot from you. Thank you, man. Thanks for coming. And thanks all you guys for listening to the motherfucking podcast. Have a happy Saturnalia. Merry Christmas. Happy Yule, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Fuck it up. Have some good times. Dude, whatever you celebrate, it doesn't matter. It's just about getting together and, and taking some time at the end of the year to just reflect and be with the people you love in case you forgot to do it all year. That's right. Shout out to Hanukkah. Shout out to people you like. And hey, you know what? If you got a family that's not so great it's totally your right to be alone this uh, yeah yeah, yeah. do it uh, do whatever you want just you know just make it make it whatever you want it to be that's right may your christmas (laughs) may all your christmases be bright we're just here for everyone to feel good (laughs) god rest you merry gentlemen and women (laughs) may nothing you dismay joy to the world amen (laughs) santa claus bye later oh lots of fun Woo! 
motherfucking podcast is recorded at the Nug Nation Studios in Denver, Colorado, and hosted by Aaron Howell, Tony Lee, Logan O'Connor, and occasionally even Ty Blosser of the international power rock combo, Motherfucking Ruckus. Our producer in the studio is Gordon Ledfoot. Our producers in Chicago are Gene Skibbins and Adam Zielinski. All music except homie shoutouts and featured artists is written and performed by MF Ruckus and comes from the album The Front Lines of Good Times Volume 1, coming this fall on Rodeo Star Records. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, if you find this podcast valuable or entertaining and you wish to support MF Ruckus further, you can rate, review, share, subscribe, follow us on any of our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Spotify. If you really want to help us do what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash mfruckus and become a patron at any level. Our patrons get access to exclusive content, early releases, guest list spots, even VIP parties with beer and food, all in exchange for a small monthly contribution. It really does make a difference and allows us to do this podcast, make records, create videos, go on tour, fly Tony back and forth, and all the other stuff we love to do for you guys. Patreon.com slash MFRuckus. Check it out. Thanks again, guys. You're listening to a Mutiny Transmission. You can find more podcasts, videos, books, comics, and records online at MutinyInfoCafe.com. Or just stop in the store in Denver and have a coffee sometime. 